Powered from the Perdomo Star Studios on the Red Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Alec Bradley Onset Studios of Azel, Texas. Welcome to Primetime Special Edition 143. Tonight, it's part two of Aging Experiment number five, as we once again dive into the Padrone Family Reserve number 46, Maduro. And as always, Primetime Special Edition is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with a thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And of course, I want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Carole leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age Cigars of Cuba, it's a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Carajo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Carajo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Carajo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and his son brought their very own brand to market and each contain the authentic Carajo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the Aladino Classic. Each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And of course, we want to mention Tobacco Lawyer USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Lawyer USA, great things are happening here. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Blackened Cigars, any one by Drew Estate, is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The All Maduro Black and Cigars, any one by Drew Estate, is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows, as well as the California studios for the Thursday Primetime show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Special Edition 143. Today is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. This is Will Cooper. I'm on the red stage tonight in the uh, Perdomo Cigar Studios, and I'm joined Cross country by my good friend and colleague out of the Alec Browning Lone Star Studios of Hazel, Texas, Mr. Bear Duplissy. 
Good evening, Coop. It's good to be back. It's good to be smoking cigars with you here momentarily. Um, I'm really excited about tonight. Uh, it's just because I think it'll be, it's always great. Just, I, I, I like this show, man. Cause I think it's just, it's, it's fun to kick back every once in a while. I mean, it's great doing like prep work and doing fun interviews with great people. You know me, I love great conversations, but you know, it's kind of fun to just to like kick back with our audience and share our thoughts on, you know, you know, on hopefully a great cigar smoking experience, you know? So I, I really dig it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for folks who may want to know, we, we are in the process of scheduling the coalition recap show uh getting everyone scheduled together so we're working through that process um we this won't be a recap show tonight but you mentioned conversations baron in our in one of our segments tonight i want to talk about those conversations those interviews that we had at the trade show this year and go a little behind get a little behind the scenes because i think uh when we get into that i think we brought something very unique this year uh i think we bring it unique every year but this year especially the the conversations i thought really stood out this year and i want to kind of get into some of those um as we go through them i know it was called teeing you up coop that's what i was doing i was teeing you up so you did a very good job thank you you did how about them good- how, so how about them phillies man uh, what do you want me to say <laughs> they're better than they're better than Hector's Mets. I'm just saying, man. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, the Padres actually are better than Hector's Mets right now. Uh, look, uh, I, I'll say this: Baltimore is look, Baltimore is for real. Okay, Baltimore is a is it is, is yeah. And and you know you know what's funny, Bear? All these Yankee fans are now calling for Aaron Boone's head and Brian Cashman's head and. You know, they, I, they could have gotten rid of Cashman last offseason, man. They, they could have, have done all this last they, they needed to, you know, I suggested that they get rid of Torres and bring in Jonathan India to one Yankee fan. And I get that the stats may be a little different and Torres may be a better sabermetrics player and all that, right? But Jonathan India, in my opinion, could be a cornerstone for the Yankees for the next 10 years. And they need to just rip that base apart and put some put a good base back in. Johnson India would be the perfect move for them, right? Or move move Torres to third or something like that, you know? But I would love I would love for Jonathan India to I would love for the Yankees to continue to fuck that up cuz I don't want to play against him. Oh, you know, a thousand times but, a year. But how about this Baltimore and Tampa's payroll isn't even close to the Red Sox or the Yankees payroll. It's absolutely true. Yeah, or the Phillies payroll for that matter. And, well, and it, it only took Baltimore 20 years to fucking develop something in the farm system. So, they, and, but they, they've got a monster farm system, which is scary. I don't think like yeah. they have, they can it's still deep. They, yeah. It's deep and they can bring in some big players because they can trade a lot of parts and still not wreck that farm system. So they're a dangerous team right now for sure. I mean, we're, uh, we're, uh, I mean, look, and the Phillies pulled it out. Apparently the Phillies have pulled this game out four to three. That's, so I, um, I I don't I don't have the TV I don't have it with the TV tonight because it's all boned up but um but yeah the Phillies apparently just won four to three um so, so I that puts them that puts them uh, five uh, six games above five seven games above five hundred um so they are they're fifty four and forty seven fifty four and forty seven and still twelve games behind the Braves isn't it you know I think at this point though the Phillies have to just get they're gonna have the, their job is to get the four seed. At this point, yeah. I don't know what else they can do. I, I just I think if they try, I mean, 
I don't think you're not going to catch the Braves at this point unless there's a big collapse. And hopefully you, the Braves peak early and we get them in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's I think what we got to hope happens at this point. They're only half a game back in the wild card race, man. So, I mean, like, I they're mean, right there. Yeah, the Reds and the Diamondbacks and Kapler. That just gets me off. Um, so, I mean, and, and the Brewers look, you know, the Brewers look really good is what I'll say, too. They're playing better. The Red Sox are eight and a half games back uh, of the uh, of the division, right? They are two and, half, two and a half games back in the wild card. Yeah. I mean, they're it's not sick. out of it. And look, Tampa's falling. Tampa's not what Tampa. Tampa had a look. Tampa had a very easy schedule those first two months of the year. Very easy schedule. They have a good team, too, man. I mean, they do, but the level they were playing at, I mean, they were playing like that high 600 baseball for a while. Yeah. Um, I think Toronto's vulnerable. I think, you know, so um, I don't think the, you know, I think the, I think the playoffs in the, uh, the AL are a little more cut and dry. It's like, it's very hard in the NL to pick who's going to get the wild cards. But right now, I would say um, there are five, five playoff spots locked. Um, and Toronto, Boston, and the Yankees fighting for that sixth spot. It's it's going to be a fun series to watch because the Angels are going to fall even more. They're right now they're only four and a half back in the wild here. Yep. They're going to fall even more. Um, Cleveland or Seattle, one or the other, is going to catch is going to catch something. Yep. And they're gonna they're gonna start playing really well. So the Angels are going to drop. Cleveland or Seattle is going to come up. Boston, New York, and Toronto are going to duke it out for that for that last spot. Right. And for those last or um duke it out for those potential last spot there. So like uh so you have Tampa Bay and Houston right now that are um that are running away with it. It's so scary, man. It's yeah. so scary. That the Easter AL East is just unbelievable. It's nuts. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. But it, it's gotta be a beautiful thing to see uh the Yankees in last place. Yeah. Yeah, but uh People Skip, are. I'm sorry. Skip, he says he's telling me not to hit on the Angels. Skip, I'm sorry about this, man. I have watched I have watched Angel baseball for the last 20 plus years since I moved to the DFW area, and they come to town all the time. I have seen, I have seen the Angels, and the best part about the Angels in the last 30 years has been the movie Angels in the Outfield. That's including the World Series, by the way. So. They, it's a terrible organization, man. It's a terrible organization. I feel bad for the players. I feel bad for the fans. It's a terribly run organization. It's it's worse. It's the worst in baseball. Um, it's the worst in baseball, Coop. Don't tell me. It's bad. It's bad. The Yankees are really not well run either right now. I mean, I got to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, but the Yankees Yankees know how to make a playoffs. Yeah, that's true. And oh yeah, they're most popular. They're also the most popular team in the league. Yeah, but boy, they're, they're, you know, Hal is not George. It's very clear right now. And uh, um, I mean, he no, had all the power to make these changes last year. And uh, I, I got to put everything on the owner right now there. Um, you, 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 you know, they just, you know, this idea, bear, you know, one thing, and I know we're going to digress a bit, but, you know, one thing I love about Belichick, right, is Belichick. Wow. We are going off the rails. Okay, we are going, going off the rails, okay? Belichick is not the guy who feels he's got to be loyal to guys, okay? He, he knows he's running a team, and you have to move on sometimes. You have to change the parts out, right? And that was a key part of his championship run. Is, uh, and I think now he's starting to get back there again, but he's, he's in a rebuilding piece. But I'm talking when that when that thing was a machine, he knew when, when changes had to be made. 
the problem with the Yankees, the same problem that the Sixers have, is they're trying to reward and pay guys who just have proven they cannot win. <laughs> I mean, you have, and at some point you have to move on. You have to move on. You have to change the machinery. You have to put new parts in there. Um, and I would be just, I mean, as a, if I had a Yankee season ticket, I'd be done right now. The way that that's garbage what they're putting in front uh, as a product right now. Mm. This is not me uh, hating on the Yankees. This is if the, if the Phillies were in this, the Phillies were in this mode. I'd say the same thing. Yeah, it's no, it's I mean, it's not good. But like I'm just saying, like the the angle, the like the Angels are the worst run organization in baseball. It's just, yeah. it, just it is. Um, I'll yeah, tell you this, just, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's since you went off the, the I want to correct you on something. The only Belichick was loyal to one person. It's not you. It's not who you think. Because he obviously wasn't loyal to Brady, right? No, um, in the end, he Bel- was. Bel- Belichick, Belichick um, was loyal to one player through all the years. Like, and he, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if he hasn't legally adopted the kid, the guy, he's a man. But he had this wonderful affection in his heart for Ger- uh, Gerard Mayo. He did. He did. It was there was some uh, there was something about. Yeah. That they had some kind of special. They had a very special yeah. relationship. Yeah. I mean, um, and yeah, that's the only guy. Yeah, that's the only guy I think Belichick would walk through fire for. No, I know. That's that's. Uh, I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, if Kraft had said, "Hey, we need to trade Gerard Mayo," like I'm pretty sure Belichick would have quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. it, was, it was bizarre. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. Right. But no, was, you're right. You're definitely but right. It's true. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, so we are yeah. So we have uh, we're gonna get into our smoke. We're gonna mm-hmm. have uh, we are gonna have um, we're gonna have our Espinosa t- uh, sports history segment, of course. Uh, I mentioned we're gonna be talking about the interviews. Uh, that will be towards the back end of the show, and then uh, we're gonna do a different spin on the president's segment tonight, Bear. I'm really gonna put you to the test here, uh, and we'll kind of get into that, uh, and it's kind of tied to. It's kind of tied to something we're doing with baseball, which is uh, yeah. folks. Have heard, and I'll just kind of put it out there. If folks have heard of the Immaculate Grid, uh, we're going to be doing the Immaculate Grid for presidents tonight for Bear. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about when the segment happens. So there's no teasers here. I'm telling you, that's what the segment's going to be. It's going to be Immaculate Grid for presidents. So uh, I think you're going to get the whole one, Bear. I really do. I don't think you're going to miss it. So, But it was it was a tough thing. To, coming up with it was tough. It took me hours to do it. Ouch, that sucks. It is not easy. It took you hours, but you think I'm going to crack it? That's nice. Okay. Cr- well, right. the, the problem is you have to make sure the grid lines up. So you have to pick categories that line up. That was the harder part of it. And then I have to make sure everything lines up. <laughs> That's a good call. So, yeah. So one, But I think they're all doable. I think these are like low-hanging fruit for you. All right. So Sorry. let's get into our, uh, our drone uh, here tonight. So this – so. The aging experiment, Bear. We've come mm-hmm. up with this on. This is like the fifth year we're doing this. Mm-hmm. We've had the show six years. Every year we we go through. The idea with the aging experiment is that Bear and I pick a cigar, and we uh, decide. Uh, we procure that cigar from the same from the same place. Mm-hmm. It, I think the first time we we kind of didn't, and we first used time we did different sizes, different places of location, but yeah. both of our cigars were from the okay. same place. Right, right. They were from right. 
from the same place. Like, uh, now we 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 source them at the same place. We uh, it's the same size, and we do three smokes of this. Uh, we smoke we smoke them once we get them. Uh, we usually do a quick. Uh, like I said, we usually will turn that around quickly. So we get them, and I think we've like smoked them the week or two after that we get them. Uh, then we go six months, and we smoke it a second time. And then we go another six months and we smoke it a third time. Uh, so we are actually on the second smoke of this. Uh, so on that first six month cycle, and we are right at the six months mark there, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What what I think is really cool too. I wanted to talk. We could talk about this now, um, or we can wait till we. Let's. I would say let's. I'll throw it out there, but let's have a discussion around it as we uh, light up um, here in just a second. So it's interesting, right? Like it's six months mark, but like, keep in mind, like we smoke this in the dead of winter, which in Texas and North Carolina, or at least the North Carolina that that, that, that coops in, um, you know, moderately cold. I mean, it was, it was cold that night. And then right now for, at least for me, where, you know, it's the dog days of summer here and uh, you know, it's, you know, 116 outside. So, so it, it's it's interesting to kind of make observations like around aging, but also the time of year that you smoke too. So just yeah, for what it's worth. Yep, agree, agree. Um, and this, you know, we went when we went and decided to go. We we try to go with brands that folks are very familiar with. Um, so I know we've done uh foundation, right? We've done yeah, we've done done Barton Tobacco and Trust. We've done Dunbarton foundation. Tobacco. Yep, Crown Heads. Crown Heads, uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry, and now Padron. Padron. Yep. So we try to go with stuff that you know folks can get their hands on these cigars, uh, which uh, which is, is an easy thing to do. Uh, when we went Padron, uh, Bear and I have an affinity for the families are forty six. Mm-hmm. Now I am going to say one thing about this. So I I procured these cigars, uh, and when I procured them, I had I had uh, basically someone get the cigars for me and I picked them up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of a uh, grab and go kind of deal. It wasn't really curbside. Now, all the cigars had a UPC on it that said it was a Maduro, but yeah. I gotta be honest with you. There's a couple of these one lighter or lighter than the others. Oh, well, mine's mine's look at this. Yeah. I mean, so, however, I know the last time when we smoked it, I said it smoked like the Maduro did. So I didn't, it did smoke yeah. like the Maduro, but, but definitely, these colors are definitely off. Uh, my my last one is the lightest one I have. I mean, this is I, the lightest one I have. Yeah, this is the lightest one I've got. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, but now I'm just knock on wood that these are well UPC'd correctly is all I can tell you. But this is all. But this is actually my criticism that I, I've said it for years. Padron needs to put the Maduro band on these things. They they do. Put a footer band on it. Simple. Yeah. Or change the seat, like the outline of, you know, the yeah. secondary band behind the 46. Yep. It's, you know, it's maroon. Right. Make mm-hmm. it green or white or yeah. something. They will never do it. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're, they're the right. Padron, that's not, they're not going to, they're never going to do it. At least, at least in my lifetime, I don't think they'll do it. But to me, it, it's an, it is an easy, it's an easy solution. So, um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes things are too easy. But. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I think we've agreed that this, uh, the Padron 46, uh, it, it's, 
it's the one, you know, and I think it's the one that it's one of the more forgotten ones in, in the series. I mean, I think the 45 is the one that gets all the thunder. I think the 85 is probably the other one. I would say that gets a lot of thunder. Um, not the, the 80th. You think it's the 85th? Well, the 80th is not a family reserve. Oh, 10, four. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the 80th is not a family reserve. Yeah. That, so that's a 26. Yeah. Um, but it is this uh, Cuban box press to it, um, and it's got this. Uh, the size is um, a five and a half by fifty six, but it does not feel like a forty, a fifty six rather. No, and it certainly doesn't feel like a five and a half either. No, it definitely, it definitely doesn't. It feels like a six. It almost feels like a six by fifty four, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but uh, yeah. Uh, cool. So, um, I guess we're at a point where we light up. Sounds good to me. Yep. So, uh, what else? What else is everybody smoking tonight? Yep. I saw West Tampa Red earlier. I saw a Tatuaje Monster being lit up. We have a West Tampa interview coming up on uh, PCA coverage in a few days, guys. Just see where that. Yep. It was a barn burner. Uh, so by the way, uh, it doesn't matter because it's Padron, right? But man, what an ugly cap job on this bad boy! Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> doesn't matter because it's Padron, know, it's gonna so get cut off anyway. Who cares? I will. The other thing I will tell you in disclosing this tonight, I feel like I'm setting myself up for failure. I there was one point in this humidor, and, and I had this, it was not in my review humidor, it's actually in my personal humidor. I had these in. Oh, no, um. And it, there was a point the humidity dropped a little lower than I would like it. It wasn't in the 50s, but it was at 61, right? And I normally don't keep that at 61. Uh, I don't know how long it was there, but I don't feel any – like I was worried when I clipped into it. I might feel – I had no problem. It, it feels – the cigar feels okay. It doesn't feel hard or anything. So, uh, you know, I, I do – the reason why I put it in that humidor and – is I um, there's two humidors I obsess with the levels of is my personal humidor and the review humidor. So these were under, I would say this is under good conditions all the time. So, but for whatever reason it dropped, I don't, uh, I don't, I, you know, and I had to kind of just re-energize it. Um, so it, it was all good. And actually, um, so I mean, anyway, I use both of those for the personal humidor and I use Hydra for the uh, review humidor. So, no hydra. I mean, wrong, wrong thing. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I am using. I know I used a match the first time, but I am using a lighter tonight to toast to light my cigar. What, what lighter are you using? Uh, the pistola from Quality Imports. I I was gonna use. I'm gonna. I'm using a uh, a more gentle flame on it. Um, but that I've really, I've been using that lighter a lot. The Pistola, it's great. That tank is big. It, uh, you know what? I have mine here. I'll use mine too. Dude, so I've got, seriously, I'm lighting this cool lighting by having the cigar and the lighter about, I don't know, about. About yeah, six or seven inches apart. Like that's yeah. crazy. Look, it's Look, sliding. I'm, I'm doing it too. Yep. Crazy. Um, I've been really impressed with this lighter though. Um, it's a big tank. 
Uh, it feels nice in our hands. Um, but yeah, I, I'm giving it a lot of distance because that was the part I was a little worried about um, as far as that goes. So, Luke, can I ask you an, an interesting question? Yeah. Did you learn the phrase as far as that goes? Or like, like, was it something your dad or mom used to say or something that you picked up from like I, your I, wife or something? Or is it something that just you you just naturally? I did something natural. I just say, OK, you know, I it's interesting. There was a conversation in my house this week about the coupisms I have. um, And I have a bunch of these. Like zingers, right? Like or things I'll say, like when, <laughs> when, when, when there's like a mishap, I'll say. Oh, you gotta hate when that happens, right? Or I'll, I'll go to my son. Yeah. I'll go to my twenty-six-year-old son. What did you learn today? Um, and then uh, I'll, then I'll really say something nasty. Then when he annoys me, I'll say, and he's saying something I disagree with. I'll go, "Hey, when I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you." So, <laughs> that one. Uh, that I've never, one. I've never gotten the last two. You've never asked me what I've learned today. Now I'm kind of friend. I've kind no. of offended. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a big joke. I, you know, my, my kids will use those things, too. And, uh, you know, those things. So yeah, I have these isms. And as far as that goes, um, it's probably one that's in there. Yeah. No, you've uh, got a lot of coupisms. Yeah. That's one of them. It's just... So we're talking about preserving all of them, too. I like it. Yeah. Uh, So the on the tote when I was toasting, sorry, but guys were. The people listening on the podcast later are going to yep. just absolutely hate these conversations. Um, but uh, when I was toasting the cigar and uh, the aroma off the cigar for me was, uh, I don't know if you were really taking it in. It, it was like this this kind of, uh, um, I was getting a little bit of a leather note. Yep. Uh, a little bit of like toasted wood. Um, and not a lot of spice, not a lot of, not a lot of spiciness, not, not uh, a lot of pepper to it. Uh, I yeah, I get I got leather and earth off this lot. Um, I've had these where sometimes I get that I get a little bit of that Maduro sweetness, which is kind of like that dried fruit. Uh, but I didn't get that on this. I got a lot of leather and earth on this. It wasn't a very exciting pre-light drawer. Now I am a little concerned. You see, I have a slight crack on the wrapper in the foot. So that's why I'm just I'm but it's paranoid. it'll be fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I am I am I get a little paranoid when I see stuff like that. Um but, yeah. you know, because I do know these were like, you know, I'm just meticulous about, especially for this. Um, but I don't think I, I, I'm i thinking it just it just may be a natural thing that happens. So the cigar does not feel dry. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, the draw for me was open and good. It's it's drawing really well. I've got a little bit of a wavy burn. I think that's because of the way I lit it. But I think it's already kind of straightening out uh, on the top where it was actually a little wonky at the very beginning yeah, too. So yeah. I feel like the the rest of it will kind of yep. even out. Yep. Um. That's some really good flavor. So there, the, so the pepper does come through the nose on the retro, yep. at least in the first couple of hits. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a heat that I'm getting right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. It's not a spice heat. I know that's kind of weird for people. 
Yeah, but you feel it. You feel it at the tip of your tongue, right? Right. I, so let me ask you a question. We've never, I've never asked you this question before. When we've done this, but so this is smoke two. This is our second iteration. Do you go back before the show and watch the first iteration? No, I don't either because I want to be. I don't want to be swayed by that. Yeah, like, same here. Like I know how to smokes and everything, but you know, I don't want to say. Well, why didn't I get that? You know, that dry heat at the beginning of the last time. You know, it. it so so. If folks want to grade, I don't know if at some point someone wants to actually grade us on this, right? <laughs> and and see how we do. But um, but yeah, it's um I'm giving it a little touch up here with my uh pistola. Shout out to Joe Grow. Yeah. Uh shout out to the PCA too. Um yeah, having, they, that, having that set up there. That was a good job by them. Yep. Um but flavors are great right out of the onset on this too. Yeah. We've talked about padrones don't age well. We've talked about this. Yes. Um, and I think that's something that I'm trying to be cognizant about tonight is not have a predetermined notion that padrones don't age well. And part of the reason why we picked padrone was to to see the effect of this. I'd say the the for me though, right off the get, um, there's that heat that's on the tip of your tongue, but right now it's just kind of it's just kind of earthy. It's just kind of mellow and earthy. Um, little faint coffee notes. Yeah, it's uh Um, I know that sounds really uninteresting. The I, retro hell is what gets me. That's like I think that's I, where like the spiciness comes in and everything as well. I am picking up a touch of dried fruit on this though. A touch, not a lot. But yeah, it's definitely I'm getting that earthy coffee profile on this. Like is it is the is it right on the edge of like right before like right when you push the smoke back to retro hell, that's where you yep. get the fruit? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what I'm getting. Um yeah. Especially Mine's, if I'm doing, if I'm letting the, you know, if I'm letting kind of, if I'm not letting the smoke all the way back too, that's the other way I'll get it. Yeah, mine's kind of a, mine's kind of like an apricot. A dried, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. I would say it's a dried fruit. Apricot would be right in that wheelhouse for sure. I don't know if an apricot would be a stone fruit, but uh, it's a stone fruit. Okay. It's just a fleshy stone fruit. Yeah. Not a juicy stone yep. fruit. Yeah, but if I had any questions, if this was the natural or the Maduro, this is definitely the Maduro. Um, oh yeah, it's so, it's so yeah. toasty. Yeah, that's so you could tell. Um, you know, so if they were on a Dude. table, I wouldn't be able to tell though. Is, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Good, uh, good smoke output on this. Um, mm -hmm. the drum, by the way, is really. I'm getting a good. It's not quite milkshake, Benley milkshake, but for a box press. It's 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 fine. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I've had very loose drawers on on box presses, even Padrones. Well, I've had no. I mean, I mean, well, the Padron Classic series, the Thousand series, is the is the loosest drawing Draw. cigar on the market. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So much smoke. 
so much flavor just yeah. fucking kicking out. And if you don't like the flavor, man, you are absolutely yeah. fucked. Like, it's just a bad experience. Yeah. Do you know anyone? Okay, other than Aaron Lunas. <laughs> Do you know anyone who doesn't like Patrons? Yeah, I don't want to say the name. There is someone I know who's very negative on Padrones that we both know. Okay, not Aaron Loomis. It's not Aaron Loomis, though. Okay. It may be someone... Aaron very, hates everything, so that doesn't count. It may be, yeah, uh, it may be someone very close to Aaron Loomis, is what I'll say. But, mm-hmm. uh, but um, yeah, I mean... About Aaron, don't talk about Aaron's mom on this show. That's well, not nice. I'll tell you, those guys those guys destroyed the Padron 90, Family Reserve 96. They destroyed it. Have you smoked it yet? Yeah, I've been disappointed with the 95 and the 96. I, I like the 95. I, I, the I was that and, and that's a 60. And I was disappointed with that. That's sad. That's a 60 now. Um I'll say this. Padron Skip Hafke coming in hot. Skip Hafke saying they're just okay. I don't know if he's being sarcastic, but no, they're not. They're, for the price point, they're not. I'd go for I go back to a 46 every day of the I think week he's talking for, about padrones in general. Um he's saying they're just okay. Interesting. Are you being sarcastic, Skip? Answer in the chat, please. And if you're, do if you're I, not, that's fine. Do I'm I wax judging. poetic over the Padron 80s? I don't, okay? Which is, many people consider the best. I mean, I think the Padron, the 50th anniversary in the humidor is the best one they've done. To me, that's the best cigar they did. Uh, both the natural and the Maduro. Um, but I don't wax. I, I, I like the Padron 40th as well. Which is uh, the Torpedo. I think they did a really that was that one that got the first cigar of the year. Yeah. Uh, I, I much prefer the 40th over the 80s. Uh, the, the this is my this is my favorite Padron, the one we're smoking. This is I like my it, favorite. I like it. I like I it better say, than the 50. I would say this is my second favorite. The 50 is the first, but this one's the second. And this one took a while to grow on me as well. Um, you know, I'll say it, Bear. Where was Cigar Meteor at the Padron booth this year? I don't know. I, I mean, I know I know George wasn't doing a lot of interviews this year, but we still covered it. I just we went felt, by and said hi. We went by. We took pictures. We covered it. I put the article up a couple hours ago, actually, timing it with this. I would have um, said hi to George if he had been there. Oh, I mean, look, George has never blown us off. It's tough to get an interview with him, though. It's trade. He wasn't at the booth when we were there. Yeah. Uh, and we were on a really tight schedule this year. So, yeah. Uh because I'm already getting complaints from people like we didn't come. To, you know, I, I, we don't skip anyone's booths, really. If you know, we'll get to the booths, but we, we don't have enough time is the problem. Well, you know, <laughs> well, Coop, we always talk about this. I know we're going to get into this later, but we never get in the way of business. And no. if you're doing if you're doing business, we're we're going to you know, we're going to cover it and we're going to move on. Like, yeah. you know, um, we again, we, we will try to come back yeah. to people. We try to circle All back. Right. But you know, in some you cases, know. we came, we we came back to booths two or three, four. Yeah. Uh, we came back to yeah. one booth five times, and they were always busy. And good for them, you know. What? Yeah. That's that's fantastic. That's what yeah. we want to see. Yeah, you know? I I agree. I I do have one comment on this interrupting business thing. I agree with you. We don't interrupt business. However, once we are engaging with the retailer, not the retailer, the manufacturer, I expect the same in return. I expect that my business is not interrupted. You know, I, yeah, I understand I, some of this is a, a critical thing that's come up, but I think that's, you know, in general, I, I, I say the same thing, um, you know, give us that time um, as well. So it's only five minutes, but, uh, you know, 
we this year was pretty good. We really I don't think we had a lot of interruptions this year, by the way. So I think people were very respectful of us this year. I'll say that. I, well, speaking of Padron, I think the my one of my favorite stories of PCA, and I really want to shout out two people on this that made it happen. I never had the opportunity to interview George uh, until two years ago. Yep. And um, and it was fantastic. It was very brief. Um, but. I, I'm just so thankful to him to making a couple minutes for us, agreeing to do it, and really, really appreciate Craig Cass. Craig Cass, I gotta remember for, that too. For for uh, allowing that to happen, he was having a conversation with Craig. And Craig's a Craig's a longtime longtime right. friend, longtime yeah. supporter, and a really really important Padron retailer. Like, yep. like, um, yeah. and yes. I mean, he Craig's a Craig's a great retailer. He yeah. he's a, he's got great relationships with a lot of people in this business. But Padron, Padron is. One of the he's one of the premier padrone retailers in this in this country and yep. so that's by that that that's really important business and for craig to say hey you know hey guys what do you you know and he you know just made made you know made step back and let you know made room for us and that was yeah very appreciative. and you have a relationship with craig but still like he didn't have to do that and that was no he, he didn't have to do it um and i think he was ready to do it again at the mccallif booth this year when we went there and we told him to finish up but dan and dan and craig were talking they we said we came back we said we'll come back this time so uh you know but i think craig would have did it again for us um as well and and by the way jeff borshowitz at the placencia booth two, uh last year did the same thing yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and again, you know, we're grateful for that too. We, 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 we don't try to interrupt business, but it's great when someone does try to help us out a bit um, as well. I mean, we're, we're grateful for that as well. So, um, and then we try to be respectful. There are some guys though we can get more time with than others, right? Because of the way they're, they're, they're hand, like, like I, and when we, we'll talk about some of the big interviews we did at the end where these guys allocate a lot of time for us. So, yes. so we, we have, op- but it's only like George, we're going to get five minutes and we just have to make, you, you made the most of five minutes. Same thing with Nestor. We'll get five minutes with him and we made the most of it. Yeah. So we're appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But bear, this thing's opened up now. The flavors are really coming out with this now. Yeah. That, uh, that sweetness in the back is really opening yeah, up. It's almost absolutely. kind of creaminess kind of coat in the palate Absolutely. The, the creaminess yeah there's a creaminess i'm getting off this um no cracks the combustion's fine so any of my fears of that and i think it wasn't like i said the humidity couldn't be more than two or three days it was like that so it i don't think it had a bad of any effects on it which is good but yeah it is that creaminess i'm getting some of that coffee note is very prominent now uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a bitter, that bitter quality you get off the coffee, but it's balancing out these other flavors are just well rounding and balancing this out right now. It's really opening up nice. We're, you know, we talked about Padron, right? Um, I will say a couple of things. Talk Padron here. When I was down at the factory this year, right? First of all, I want to say George was unbelievable with us. Okay. Uh, George did the tour for us. And I think I mentioned that he did the tour. He was stomping around in jeans and boots in the mud out on the farm. 
I never saw that side of George. And the guy loves the farm. You can see it. You know, I always see George Padrone with the with the with the Brooks Brothers suits, right? The the you know, looking sharp, but seeing that other side of him is amazing. His suits are Brooks Brothers. I just used the term. I don't know. They're custom tailored suits. Let's say. Yeah, I was gonna say. Okay, let's say custom. Yeah, Brooks Brothers is like a term from forty years ago. Let's say custom tailored. No, suit. It, Brooks Brooks Brothers makes some fine clothing, but I just you know. I've. I, <laughs> to me, it's even nicer than that. It was my yeah. Point. He always looks good. He always looks so good. It, it, it. He always looks good. But uh, there's a side of him, and he just you could see he's in his element down in Nicaragua with this. Uh, loves what he's doing. You could see it. The second thing I'll say is the Damasos never smoked better in Nic- than I had in Nicaragua. It's like I've been meaning to go back and get some Damasos and give that cigar another shot. But they were smoking fantastic. I had two of them down there. Well, the bar isn't very high for them for me. So I um, mean, everything smokes better in the in I country. Was, I don't know if Loomis likes the Damaso or not, but I think well, I think and that's a big point you make, Bear. It does smoke different in Nicaragua. It does. I'm smoking a little fast, so I'm slowing down for you, Coop. That's okay. I tend to smoke slow, so don't worry about it. Good smoke output I'm getting off this, too. Yeah. How many how many Padrones do you smoke in a year? That's a really good question. Yeah, I actually just... That's a bare just, question. That was very I actually, good. I actually just thought of it now. I can't say I planned that question like you do. Um... How many padrones do I smoke in a year? Um, I probably smoke a four thousand Maduro probably once a month. Okay. Um, I probably smoke a sixty-four uh, Prince Bay probably of once every other month. Okay. Um, and then I make a point to. I mean, back in February, this was the first 46 that I had had in years because I couldn't find them. They were um, tough to I remember we said, could we source them was going to be our question. Yeah. Um, um, this, I mean, years. And I, I mean, I absolutely, if I fucking still love it. Uh, it was so great. I was really worried. Like, I was like, okay, my palate's probably changed. I know it's always been my favorite. It's, um, But it had been, been about three or four years since I had had a 46 Maduro. But I, I tried to smoke. I tried to smoke. Uh, a 26 or for family reserve uh, at least once or twice a year. Um, just cause I, I mean, cause I really enjoy them yeah. and they're super expensive. Um, you know, but I mean, it's an enjoyable experience every time. Like I really like it. Like, you know, for the, you know, people are like saying it's okay or whatever or whatever, but um, it, to me, I, I, I still, I still really like them. I really like the 90th. Um in that in the rounded the rounded parejo, um, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I, um, I I think I had that. I'm just going back into my notes here. I think I had that one in my top 25 one year. I want to say 2018. I had it in the top 25. I'm looking right now to kind of correct myself. I mean, when I go to just the regular 1926 Maduro, like I'll just uh, the number nine is the size I gravitate towards the most, probably. 
yes, I, I had it number 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 sixteen in two thousand seventeen. So I have had yes, that that number nineteen was that number ninety. Excuse me, was fantastic. Yeah, I smoke. I smoke a nineteen twenty six number nine. Probably, I've probably had more in between the nineteen twenty sixes and definitely the nineteen twenty sixes. Between the nineteen twenty sixes and family reserves, I've probably smoked the number nine nineteen twenty six more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. What about you? Yeah. What about you? So I'm going to take review cigars out of the equation, probably about four or five times a year. Right. Reviews I'm going to take out because like I, I smoked a bunch of 96s recently, you know, so I think I smoked like a six of those, like three naturals, three Maduro. So um, so review, take the reviews out. I probably go four times a year. Um, but ironically, I smoked a Padron last weekend. I smoked uh, a 40th. Oh, uh, nice. for, uh, the 40th anniversary on uh, natural. Yeah. Mike Taos smokes 50 or more Padrones a year. I know. I know a lot of people who. Who. Do some serious padrone smoking. Like um, there are people I know who just smoke padrone. I know a couple people who just smoke padrone. Uh, a customer of mine uh, back in my retail days, uh, I won't say his last name, but his first name is Mike. And I saw him, I saw him every shift, which I didn't work every day, but I saw him every shift. So for me, that was three times a week. Um, I'm sure he came in at least a couple more times after that. Maybe I don't think he came in every day, but. And it was always a Padron 4000 every day you know, or every the, time the, I saw him. The 1000 series, I know we were complaining about the draw a bit. It's still a great value. Oh, yeah. It's still a great value. It's probably the, the ultimate value cigar, what you're getting, yeah. uh, especially with the, the tobacco you're getting in that um, is really good. So, yep. to turn about this, okay, so... The chances of a other first of all, the chance of you smoking this is a lot higher than me smoking it. But the Padron uh, Fuente collaboration cigars, I don't um, see myself even getting my hands on it. Yeah, I think you're more likely you're you're more likely than I will be to smoke it. But it like I'm hearing the allocations of one box of retailer right now. Yeah, and that's fine. I'm just saying, like how how. It sounds like you're at peace with not being necessarily necessarily having the opportunity to have it. But are you? Would you be genuinely excited to try that product? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I doubt I'll be able to have a chance to review it because if I get my hands on it, it would be only on one cigar, and then one cigar is not eligible for cigar of the year. So, um, but oh, I, I mean, so that's one. Okay, you know what? I don't care because I'm. It's a very limited cigar anyway, so I don't know if it should be cigar of the year. So I'm content to just hey get one and enjoy it like uh you know if there's a, you know jay if you got extras I'll, I'll take some of them off your hands so but i doubt jay's gonna have extras of those and and frankly i don't know you know if i was a retailer i don't think i'd break up that set to be honest with you no i don't I, think so i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't do it so i wouldn't expect anyone else to do it for me um i thought about trying to get my hands on one of the humidors uh and splurge for it i have yeah. Uh, but like I said, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing the allocations are only going to be one or one per retail. And when I hear it, if you have multiple stores, I've heard one per retail outlet, not one per store. So, uh, you know, if Jay's in there. He can fact check me on that. But that's what I'm, I'm about. Yeah, I'm about an inch and a half already into this. And then the ash was, point. Yep. and it was the ash was beautiful. So I'm sad yeah. that it fell off. That sucks. Yeah. No, but, it's a, the ash is beautiful. And like I said, 
any that little crack I had was probably just I don't think it was anything. It was just a little fray I was getting on a wrapper. This thing is is look at this. This is beautiful. Uh look the little jaggedness I've air blown with the air conditioner here. Yeah. But, but that's nice firm ash. Uh mm, smoke production is just right. Yeah. But I'm getting I'm getting this it's that rich coffee. It's, it's so it's so creamy, this cigar right now. Medium strength, medium body right now. It's not yeah, it was a yet. lot heavier in February. It, it was, was a lot. lot it was more medium. It was more medium full in February. That's, yeah. a, that's the one difference. I agree with you on that. Uh, so do we want to go a little down or we want to kind of go into one of our other segments right now? So let's talk. Yeah, let's go into one of our segments, come back, give our thoughts on the first third, and then we'll continue okay. smoking. So let's get right into it, Bear. Let's let's get the elephant in the room here. Oh, uh, shit. Let's do the president segment here. God damn it. I fucking right. walked into that. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's good. Um, and if we want to come back, even if we have to break it up um, and come back to the cigar, we'll come back to the cigar. What do you want to wait on the president segment, bitch? Just because we're into the cigar. And you already on. teased it, man, like twice now. Like, what are we going to do, right? Well, we can switch to the other. We can switch to something else. No, it's all good. Okay, okay. I just want to make it so, and I should. All right. So, of course, our present segment is sponsored by United Cigars, uh, makers. Uh, uh, excuse me. Let's do this again. Brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Diana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron, and now Alfonso. Smoke United, live United, buy United. I did that out of order, Oliver. I'm sorry. Buy United, smoke United, live United. Okay. All right. Smoke, smoke United Cigars. Smoke just United Cigars. Hey, let's just do that. All right. So let me, I am going to share my screen here. Okay. And, uh, this is fucking terrifying. We, no, it's not. Stop it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, if folks have not seen this, right, uh, there is a thing going around, uh, if you're a baseball fan, uh, called the Immaculate Grid. Uh, I know I'm going to probably mess up saying what the Immaculate Grid is, but basically, it's a. I'll show this grid. Actually, let me. You know what I'll do? Let me show an immaculate grid first in baseball, so yeah. people understand what I am talking about here. Um, show me your awesome score today, Coop. You had a great score. I have the. Other, it's on the other computer. Is the problem? So, so I have a blank one here. Uh, but I had, I had a good. Score. But yeah, you had a great score today. Yeah, I did. I did have a good score. Uh, because there were Phillies and Brewers involved, right? So let me show what the immaculate grid is. Okay, so uh, the idea is. Let's try this again. Is there is a two axes? There is um my screen showing okay? Yeah, it's see fine. There's a, there's a uh, across the top. There are three categories: two team names and um a statistical a statistical category. category. And across the y axis is the same thing. And the idea is you have to kind of look and say, all right, who. How do these intersect? In other words, who played for the, the Cleveland Guardians slash Indians and the Milwaukee Brewers, right? And I can put in a, a player such as Gorman Thomas, which I know is the answer for this one, right? Because I did this today. Yeah. And it will give you this, and then you get this percentage. And the idea is you want to get a very low percentage because you want to pick more obscure players. The lower you score, the, the better it is, right? Yeah, exactly. That's okay. So I'm not going to go through the whole present uh, thing get here, but, uh, but you can see you go through this like uh, Paul – Molitor is yeah, which I'm going by the ones I did today. All right, and and there's different percentages here. Now you could miss this, right? Uh, if you miss this, um, and I'll Babe just Bruce. 
I'm just gonna, I'm gonna miss this on purpose. Yeah, Alex Rodriguez, right? You you you're you're done. You can't go back to that square. Okay, you're done. But the idea is you want to get nine and get a score. I think it gives you like a hundred points if you if you do that, right? So, mm-hmm. what did I do here? Um, I went and did this for presidents, and I've come up with this. Uh, and what I did is instead of teams, I went to states that they may live in. And instead of statistical milestones, I went to milestones of their careers uh, where they held offices previously. So, you know, I have New York as the state, the House of Representatives and Senator across the top. And then I have Virginia, Ohio and the vice president below. And the idea is Bear has got to go and fill in this grid with with presidents that meet both the criteria here. And now in the, it's in the live, born or die, right? In live, the born or die. Yeah. Uh, born, die, resident is fine. I'll accept resident. So um, I don't want to give one away. But but yeah, if you if you know that they've lived there and we can just validate that, that that will be accepted. Now, what we won't be doing is we don't have percentages here. So we can't do the percentage here is the first thing. The second thing is. The grid won't let you switch your answer. Like once you put an answer, you're locked in. But Bear, if you put something in for like House in Ohio and it's a president, and you want to flop, flip it. I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm not going to be that austere with you on this. Uh, because, okay. you know, yeah, so I don't, you know, the, the idea again is to not, um, you know, I'm, I'm the guy here is let's see if you could get get these and not so much, um, not so much. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, I'm not trying to be a stickler for the rules here. There's no tricks here. I'll try to I, I came up with so I came up with a grid. I, I pulled this together, by the way. This was not pulled from anywhere. This was a hard thing to do. OK, because I had to make sure that I can I can do it. Right. But what I will say is you can't use repeats. Right. So you can't use the same president twice. That's the so one obviously you validated. So like it's it's solvable. It's solvable. Uh, yeah. And I validated. I triple checked this. Like it took me days to do this. I'm just telling you. Okay. All right. So I want to, I think I want to, okay. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, um, You're going to get this. All right. There's, so there's let's softballs on this grid too. Okay. So start. So the bottom right-hand corner is a Senate. So a, is the U S president that was also a Senator and a vice president. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Well, let's just start easy. Cause I don't think it won't affect it. This one won't affect any of the other squares at all. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go with our current president, uh, Joseph, Joseph Biden. Right. That is correct. So that's that. That one's an easy one. Um, there is. There are others, by the way. He wasn't the only one. I know at least one other, but that's we're, we're going to yeah. hold up. Yeah. All right. That, that is correct. Um, yes. New York and Virginia. New York and Virginia, New York and Virginia, New York and Virginia. Not as hard as you think, by the way, that one. Um, okay. Arthur was born in Canada. He was home from New York. Um, and Virginia. Um... Let's okay. 
the first one that comes to well not the first one because i was thinking of someone else I was thinking of arthur but he wasn't associated with virginia um let's do james monroe for the, for the upper for this one yeah for virginia and in new york so that is correct he was, he was born in virginia and he died in new york good one yeah you're true for Zubin. on july 4th by the way he was one of those guys yep he was one of the july 4th guys um uh, yep you are correct with that one good that's a good that, and i thought that wasn't as hard as people think there's another answer there's at least one other answer i knew of with that that i would have accepted there may be um, actually, yeah but good that's a good one okay um Go to the right. Let's do the house. Okay. And Virginia. Yep. Oh, God. I, I better not fuck myself here. Um, but this is pretty. This would be a pretty low pick, I get. I bet. I bet. Because it's not a lot of people remember that he was a congressman. He was actually one of the. He was actually one of the first congressmen from Virginia. Uh, he was, I think it was like the fifth or fourth district of Virginia. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and he was uh, obviously president and he's from Virginia. Uh, James Madison. That's correct. So far you are, every one of the ones you've picked are on my grid. Okay. That was a tougher one, by the way. I think that was a tougher one. Well, I like, I, I think I'm going to fuck myself there. Um, but I mean, he's mostly associated with Virginia, so I got Virginia pretty much out of the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go. Oh, shit. Oh, I oh, I know what to do with New York and Ohio. Oh shit, this is fucking great. Um, that's an easy one, I think. That's 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 William McKinley, who was born in Ohio. Uh, no, he was born in. Um, yeah, he was born in Niles, Ohio, and then he was yeah, and then he died in New York. So yeah, McKinley. That's correct. Now I had a different president with that one. Okay. But that is correct, yeah. I'll tell you who the other... We'll, we'll finish the grid, and then I'll tell you who I had for that one. But that, uh, is, that is acceptable. That is a valid answer. So, yeah. You're four for four, Bear. This is not easy, by the way. This is... He is like... I, this is not easy even for him. Because you have to... You really have to think with this. We're doing the immaculate grid here, and we're putting Bear to Pussy to um, one of the ultimate. Okay, let's go with one of. He was a senator early on. He was a senator early on too, and obviously it, held from Virginia. Let's do John Tyler for Virginia and senator. Correct. I had that one as well. Yep. And let's finish off the senator category because there's no way he's going to fuck up anything else. We're going to do uh, William Henry Harrison for Ohio and senator. Wow, I didn't have that one. But that is correct. Uh, let me see. Mm -hmm. I'm just double checking that. Uh, for, so it's for senator, right? Yeah, United States senator. He was a senator from Ohio. Um, wow, I didn't have that yeah, one. Good, good yeah. one. Yeah, I didn't have that one either. I'll yeah, he was only, it was only one term, man. Yeah, he was a one-term senator. Um, that's that's that is correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, 
Yeah, Jacob Burnett beat him out for the for the office of Senate, yep. and then actually he went on after that. He was appointed by uh, yep. he was appointed by John Quincy Adams. Yep. Uh, to be uh, he was the ambassador to like yep. uh, some South American country. Yep. Um, surprised he didn't die down there. Um. Oh. Um. Oh, it is smoke, yeah. I will say you can flip answers if you need to. So you can flip something if you need to. Uh, he was a congressman, wasn't he? I'm thinking, I'm looking at Ohio in the house right now. Was he a congressman after? Was he a congressman after the Civil War? Was he a congressman? Fuck. Um, okay, I'm gonna skip House in Ohio. Um, let's go to Vice President in New York. Because um, I was thinking about this guy earlier. Uh, we actually talked about him a couple weeks ago. Um, Millard Fillmore. Millard Fillmore. Let me validate that one. So Millard Fillmore is definitely a vice president. Yes. And Millard Fillmore was in New York. Good one. Yep. I didn't have that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was born. He was, well, he'd be. I think he was. I think he died in New York too. If if you were doing the grid, you'd get like a low score with that one because there's a there's a, like a big name one actually, but uh, but I won't say it yet. But yeah, that would be one where you get a lot. Like you you'd get that low point with that one. That's a good. That was a good one. Yeah, because no one fucking thinks of that guy. Yeah, like, yeah. There's one guy who every there's one guy from New York everyone knows. That's why. Uh, so look at this. He is he is destroying this grid, guys. He's seven for seven. Oh, you're thinking about you're thinking about Teddy. Teddy, yeah, Teddy would be. Yeah. The one. Uh, okay. but that was a good, that uh, was a good and, then, and then there was one other. I think there's one other vice president that came from New York. Oh, that's God. That was a that was fucking super obvious. Shit, how'd I miss yeah. that? Yeah. No, but um, you got you got to put a low point here. That's a, that's the idea with the grid. Go for more obscure. So that's a good one. Okay. I think I think the next two are easy. I think you're home free at this point. Okay. I I think you, I think you got the hardest ones out. Actually, no. House and VP is tough. House and VP is tough. I'd say House in Ohio is easy. Okay, I'm. I'm almost. God, I am ninety nine. I am ninety nine percent sure I'm right about this because. Because he became, because he. He fought in the Civil War, became governor, but before he became governor, he had he was a two-term governor of Ohio. But and then he became president. But I'm positive he was a congressman before that. I don't think he was a senator. I know what you're thinking. I Ruth, know you're th Rutherford B. Hayes, Ohio House. 
Walter B. V. Hayes. Correct. I didn't have that one either, by the way. But that is correct. He was he was in um 1865 to 18. You were right in this, you were right there, Bear, right after the Civil War. Good one. This one, this one, this I think this is the one that could be a little tough. House and VP, right? House and VP. Okay, let's go down the list. Biden was a VP. We've already got him. Obama was not a VP. Trump was not a VP. Clinton was not a vice president. Bush was a vice president. He did not serve in the House. Did he serve in the House? No, he didn't. Director of CIA. Reagan, no. Carter, no. Ford. Ford. Ford was vice president. And Michigan, right? House, Michigan House. That's got to be right. Is that your answer? Yeah, because he was the leader of the House Republican Conference, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. Nine from nine, Bear. Great job. Um, Holy I, shit. Yeah. Yo, dude. That was great job, Bear. That was not easy, man. He went, he blew this away. This wasn't. So let me uh, just tell you what I, what I had answers for. Like I, so I went and looked at the answers here. Um, I had Monroe. I had Madison. I had Tyler. Ulysses S. Grant I had for New York. McKinley I had for the House from Ohio. Right. And Harding I had from the Senator from Ohio. Oh, Warren G. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then I had Teddy Roosevelt for New York, uh, VP. And Andrew Johnson, House from Tennessee. Wasn't right. Andrew Johnson like Andrew? If I'm not mistaken, he was a a House. He was a governor, mm -hmm. right? But he yes. wasn't a senator, right? Yeah, he wasn't. He, he wasn't. He wasn't. He's the only one I think to be all three. I think that's the only person who was vice president, senator, House of Representatives, and governor that I could think of. I, I can't think of anyone else who's done that. Wow. Yeah, but Bear, you uh, you uh, you went nine for nine on this. He didn't miss one. You 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 weren't even close to missing one. I would have never got this, by the way, without like doing the exercise. I think I just lost Bear. He did such a good job here, right? That I just lost Bear here. He just dropped off right in the middle of this. Uh, so Bear has solved the uh, Immaculate Grid here on uh, Primetime Special Edition. I don't know how many more uh, grids we will be doing, but um, but Bear has Bear's connection has dropped. Um, and, uh, you know, that uh, we'll find out what's happening uh, with him in a couple of minutes. I hope everything uh, hope we didn't lose his Internet or anything like that. But stay tuned. I'm, I'm monitoring things and I'm doing some some posturing 
as we speak about that. So uh, this is Will Cooper. I am in uh, the Perdomo Cigar Studios here on the Red Stage. We, we lost Bearhead did such a good job on the Immaculate Grid that we have lost him uh, on some things. So while we're doing that, um, I'm going to have to sing and dance for you guys. Right. But here oh, he's coming back now. And it looks like he had to go back on his phone here. It dropped. Hey, yeah, I guess so. Okay. The grid blew me up, dude. The grid blew me up. How about I was that? about to sing and dance, so you, you saved everyone from that. Hey, look, that was a great job. I don't care. That is hard to do. That was hard to do, okay? Um, but that had to be the most challenging. Because, look, you had, to, you had to get two things right on each of those things, right? And some of those categories were tough. I thought, yeah, I thought there was a couple of really tough ones in there. Yeah, that's pretty nice, man. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to pull it up for one more second, uh, and then we'll kind of get back into some cigar talk, obviously. But um, the other thing I wanted to just mention here is is there was another – there were a couple of other interesting answers, I thought, um, that I would have accepted, right, Uh, on the grid. Um, Sure. I would have accepted for New York and Virginia or Washington. Yeah, no, that's a fair answer too. That yeah, was a fair, absolutely. yeah, uh, because Washington was uh, there was no, yeah, he did not live in the White House. He lived in New York. He lived, yeah, but yeah, so exactly, he he had res, and I said if you had residents in there, um, it counts. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like Bill, if Bill Clinton was on this grid somehow, I don't think he would qualify for any of these. But if you had New York and governor, uh, New York and let's say New York and Arkansas. Like Bill Clinton would qualify because he lives in he's he's had residence in New York for like twenty years now. Yeah, no, that's a good call too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like I said, but yeah, that was a good that was a good one. Um, I thought the House Ohio one, even though there's a lot of Congress people, it's hard to remember the the, the House people were tough to do. Um, I yeah. did know the Ford. I did know the Ford answer, even though I I had Andrew Johnson in my mind with that one. Yeah, I. Well, I just worked backwards from the most recent. I think that was the easiest yep. way for me. Yeah. But I, uh, the, no, yep. I mean, that's. I, I think that's one of the. I, it's one of my. I think one of my favorite qualities about presidents too. When you think about like some of the people that have risen from, you know, local local politics. You know, there's a lot of senators that are elected yep. president. There are a lot of governors that are elected president. Um, you know. Coming from the house, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean, obviously Ford didn't come directly from the house, right. but but when they start, but he was he was you know now that I was kind of piecing that together and everything, like you know he was leader of the Republican House, you know, House and stuff, and so like when you when they start at that level, I think it's really cool because you know you know I know you know you know keep, keeping trying to keep as much politics as out of it as possible. But in the scheme of the story of like us presidents and stuff, when you think about, when you think about it, you know, on the national political spec, you know, on the national political scale, um, congressmen are truly like, yeah, they're probably, they're the, they're the, they're, they're the person of the people at that point. Like they represent small area, a small community, a district, you know, uh, you know, in the cases of like Texas and stuff, it's sometimes it's not even a whole county or even a whole city. Um, you know, in big in, in more sparsely populated states, it's 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 quite a large portion of the state. But you're still you you know you're still taking 
into account a lot more of your constituency. Yeah. I think at that point, it's so it's really cool for me to see presidents um, start there or have a part of their career there because you know it you know that at one point they were they you know it, it started in more I guess I guess humble beginnings. But what I that's one of my favorite things about John Quincy Adams though is that after he served as president, he went back to the House. Yep. Um, he, he did. He's which is crazy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine today? Can you imagine Donald Trump as a congressperson? Can you no, imagine? I, can you imagine Ronald Reagan in Congress? No. Either of the Bushes. Nope. Um, right. Jimmy Carter might be the only one I could see. Yeah. Jimmy Carter would probably be the only one. Yeah, I, I could see Jimmy Carter doing it. Um, you know, Barry, the Senator VP, there was a lot of them. That was actually the easiest one, right? I was surprised you actually took you that long, right? Because you had Van Buren would have been an answer there. Andrew Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, John Tyler, Harry well, Truman. A, I just said Biden. I just went off. I just went with yeah, Biden. One. I mean, Biden was, Biden was easy, right? Biden was easy. Uh, but there's a lot of them. I, I was like surprised how many Senator VPs there were with that one. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, Truman was one that a lot of people forget, too. And Truman actually became like Truman wasn't VP for very long, right? No, he was no. only VP for like a few months at, at most. Like for four months, he was VP. One of those trysts in history, man. So like, yeah, yeah. You know, I think I know I've told the story before about Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Right. So so he, you know, he. um you know, there was an assassination attempt on 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 Franklin Delano Roosevelt's life in, uh, in early in his very first term. Right. So um, the would be assassin stood on a chair to try and shoot him and the chair had a wobbly leg and it wobbled. So he fired and he hit the mayor of Chicago instead. But his target was Roosevelt. So if the chair hadn't wobbled. And he hits Roosevelt, kills him. Yep. Um, then his vice president becomes president, who's John Nance Gardner. And John Nance Gardner was specifically, you know, like like many ticket, right? Like many political tickets that get launched, right? Mm -hmm. Presidential candidates will choose someone who brings brings more of the fold into vote for him, right? You know. Um, it's why Kennedy picked Johnson, right? Yep. Johnson picked the, you know, Kennedy picked a Southern Democrat. You know, he's a Northern, you know, Northeastern elite, Bostonian, you know, upper crust, wealthy family. So he brings in Johnson, right? To help win the election and it won the election for him, right? Yep. Ants so Gardner was the same thing for FDR. Now, so FDR and, and, and Nance Gardner disagreed on a lot. That's why he wasn't on the ticket, you know, after that but right. nance gardner's one of their biggest disagreements politically speaking one of their biggest disagreements politically speaking was uh a very important piece of legislation uh that made fdr famous and it was the new deal so the if the leg doesn't wobble and he hits fdr kills fdr uh, john nance gardner becomes the 
president of the United States, and we don't survive the Great Depression. Wow. Interesting. Very, very interesting point in history. Yeah, because New Deal never happens. Or, or it takes a very different course in history, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we definitely... Uh, the, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what does happen. Um, we don't recover as quickly from the attack on Pearl Harbor, um, which gives Japan the window of opportunity for an invasion. Now, would we have fought them back? You know, my, my gut tells me yes, but it would have gotten pretty froggy, man. Their World War II would have would have actually been on U.S. soil, like I know Pearl Harbor's on U.S. soil, but like actual like continental U.S. soil. If if that if FDR, it's crazy. Yeah, I I look at the one I always wonder about is what would happen with the Vietnam War with Kennedy if he had lived and served out the two terms. That's the one I always wondered about. How that would have won? Yeah, he absolutely wins re-election, right after he the- would he would have won re-election. Um, and then I don't know what would have happened in 68, obviously 68, a lot of events happened, but, um, would Nixon have made the, would Nixon have tried in 68 again to run? Because Nixon was like, how can I put it? Nixon was pretty much everyone thought he was done because he lost. There was another election he lost after the, after the president's race, right? He lost, he lost some race after that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was. Was it a, 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 a go back into the Senate? Senate? I forget what it was. Uh, I think so. I think that's right. Um, right. Yeah. Well, at that point, what happens is Bobby runs, and again, if we're if we're completely changing the course of history, and Bobby doesn't Bobby doesn't get assassinated either. Bobby wins, and then you have you have you have um, twelve years of Kennedys in the White House. Yeah. Was, oh, he ran for governor. He ran for governor. Is what he did in sixty two. Yeah. And lost right. Yeah. Yep. So, but it is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we'll do more of these because they're tough for me to come up with. <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna have to think of other categories because I've. That would how long that take you? Uh, it took me a few days. Jesus. It was. I was just like gathering data. I was just literally gathering data and then putting it together. It, it was. I had to make sure it was valid. You know what I mean? Of course, uh, no. And then, and then I found a page that had that made it easier towards the end because I was able to see who, everyone who was a senator, a house, and governor, and senator at that point. Uh, there are some other categories I could throw in there too, like so. I, I would do make, it right. The states yeah. kind of make. It. Yep. Yep. The states. Are, think, yeah, if you think about birthplaces and places of death. Think about prominent residences and stuff like that, you know. Yep, yep. It, it makes it, yeah. It may, but there's other things we could pull in there too. So maybe from time to time, I'll pull an immaculate grid out, but it won't be every sure. week, I promise. <laughs> um, uh, but no, it oh, was. Uh, oh, oh. It, by the way, Bears' record is twenty-one and two. By the way, so go. The uh, I, I mean, the only I think he's probably the only answer to this question. But Virginia, uh, Virginia, and New Jersey is Woodrow Wilson, right? I mean, that's, I would say there's know, not a lot of yeah. Got to yeah. be the only. Yeah, yeah. The one I knew right off the top of my head, like I didn't have to was I knew Grant because I remember I told you Grant's the guy I probably am the most 
astute on his life. So I knew he was mm-hmm. born in Ohio. I knew he died in, uh, I know, you know, I know the area in New York, he died and everything. So I knew that one, like, right. That was an easy one for me to do. Um, and it was funny. You came up, you, you kind of came in with a different answer, which was McKinley. I completely, why I was, I had to go validate it is because I didn't even look at McKinley. Right? I just, I had Grant in there. Like, so I was like the one I had. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was very, very interesting. Um, you know, maybe we'll do one with opposites where there's no answer. Right. <laughs> um, but uh good job bear good really good job on that uh it wasn't easy i threw the kitchen sink at you um but i figured if you could do it for baseball i said he could do this for presidents right i lost bear oh no he bears this bears walked off this uh, i mean he may be mad at me walked off the set dude that was that was hard you did a great job i mean you crushed it it wasn't you you didn't have anything wrong you weren't even close to getting wrong All right, and that was our United Cigars president segment. Um, Barry, you want to get back to the Padron? Yeah. Because uh, I'm at the end of the first third. I'm heading into the second third right now. So uh, what was the per- first third like for you, Coop? Fantastic. Uh, creamy, those coffee notes. Uh, I was getting some of that apricot sweetness we talked about at the at the tip, you know, What's the word you use the word for it that, but you know, on the front of the mouth, I was getting some of that sweetness. Um, just really a great smoke production combustion's perfect. Uh, I'm not, I'm trying to get a good picture of the retro hail I'm getting right now. I feel like there is some pepper in the retro hail, but it's not like overpower. It's a dull pepper I'm getting. It's a medium finish spicy uh but not like not ovary so not like the thousand series spicy yeah it's a it's a really enjoyable really enjoyable retro hill um it, it's it's performing as a p pe- i mean it seemed like i really enjoyed this third more than the last time not that it was bad the last time but this first third was was it was was really close to exceptional it, here it was really well-rounded yeah, it's just balanced. Yeah, it's just everything I'd, I'd expect from a Padron I got in that first third. Yeah, it started off kind of, honestly, it started off kind of bland. Um, it did, really, and it did. Really but earthy it, yeah, me. very earthy. And then once I kind of burned through the first quarter inch, it, then, it, like I said, then it, like we, 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 we went and talked about something else, and I said, hey, this thing's really opening up right now. <laughs> Oh, can't believe your grid blew up my fucking computer, dude. It blew it up. <laughs> it's getting, re- it's rebooting now. It's it's going to take a minute. So um, all good. All good. We could do a switch yet. So just let me know. Hmm. But just uh, tasty. This is, this is what I expect from a Padron. And this, yeah, this 46 delivers every time. Yeah. I got a lot of coffee and leather, deep rustic notes. A lot of charred wood, the earthiness kind of faded away. It's still there as a note, um, but it's not as prominent. Uh, it's kind of more of a balancing act for it a little bit for me. The sweetness in the back, the, spi- the slight spiciness 
through the retro, a medium finish on the retro, uh, medium, straight medium on the body and strength. Um, and, uh, I mean, but if I remember, uh, where I do remember about the first time we spoke, it really kicked into high gear as we were kind of going through the thirds though. So yep. we'll see how it out. My drawer is opening up more though. I feel like the drawer is now a little more open than it was at the beginning. So it's burning a little quicker. And I think Bear froze again. No, I'm good. I'm okay, still here. Okay, well, yeah, you froze it for a second. Quote unquote, to quote someone I know, simply delish. This is really good. Would 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 uh would Aaron Loomis give this an average? I'd say he's at least average. He doesn't like a lot of earthiness though, so the first third probably would have threw him off. But but he doesn't like that must he gets a lot of that mustiness, right? That he categorizes as mustiness a lot. And yes. I didn't get anything that was close to a. It, this was creamy. This was smooth. This was a really nice start. It feels like it doesn't feel like it's aged out by any means. I'm really, I'm like, I'm looking forward to. We're gonna probably be doing this in January next year. Will be the next six months, uh, and we'll see what happens uh, then. You know, as as you know, does the one year does it age out? Let me ask a question here. I'll ask you another question. I'm doing bear questions. If you were doing cigars of the year prior to when you started, would there have been any padrones? I'm not saying you for sure. Would, would, would this be a cigar of the year candidate the year it came out or when you first smoked it? The year you first, like you do it the first year you, you smoked it. You, you, whose rules? My rules? Your rules. Under your rules, I want to put, yeah. Absolutely not because of the frequency of smoke. Okay, good, good, good. Honest answer. Honorable mention, no. Coop, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. You're back. Good, good, smooth transition, man. Yeah. Hold on one second while I get my video. We're doing with high tech here, uh, but it's all good. Yep, so while well, Bear's getting his camera back, you know, I've only given Padron, one Padron cigar of the year. It was in 2015. Uh, it was for the 50th anniversary of Maduro, and a lot of people actually criticized my my that that selection because a lot of people really liked the natural in that. But to me, it was the Maduro that came through that year. So that was the only time I've given Padron Cigar of the Year was in 2015. My good coop. You're perfect. You're back to how you were. Nice. Did everyone miss me? We they all missed you. If you just crushed my immaculate grid, you didn't. Yeah, you like my Miller Fillmore pick, didn't you? That, that was, was the great. Fucking, yeah, that was yeah. the fucking shit right there. Yeah. That was. The- I, I I have a feeling on the baseball show we're gonna do an. I think we'll maybe when we do the baseball show, we'll actually do a real. We'll actually do the immaculate grids that night. I think with one, we'll actually do the one that for that day. That'll I'm be thinking. fun. Yeah, we'll get some of these guys who haven't done it before. We'll put them to the test as, on it as well. Yeah, because Ben and Ben and Miguel don't do it, so it'll be no, fun. no, they don't. Uh, 
Miguel, like Miguel will do it if the Cincinnati Reds in there, basically. <laughs> that's you know what? That's a cool one we get if Miguel's a guest. We set up a, a Reds immaculate, a specific Reds one. Mm-hmm. And we see that would be a really good one. Let's get him as a guest. And Miguel's got to do the grid. Every, every answer is a Cincinnati Red, but we pick like, you know, statistical categories, hometowns, uh, maybe other teams that they played for. Yeah, you know, we, 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 we could do that. But and Hector, we could do it with the Mets or something like that, though. That would be fun. By the way, yeah. the Yankees lost bad, I heard. So does that. Uh, I think we're Mets. losing to the we're losing to the Braves. We're lost to the Braves. Yeah, it's, I think we lost. We can't get. We're not. It's over. The NL, We're not winning the NLEs this year. We're but. oh, we're leading the Braves five to one in the bottom six. Shit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Alex Cora. Yeah. By the way, I haven't heard from Ruben tonight. Just so you know, I don't know if he's in the chat, but I haven't heard from him on uh, the Yankees. Just so you know. Uh, eh, they lost nine three. Verlander, Verlander pitched well. Yeah, but that's a big, you know, the, the, you know, I tell everyone, here's the thing. When it, you look at schedules, okay, the Mets are down, but the Subway series is always a tough series. If the Mets, if the Mets had 30 wins this year, it would be a tough series. That's a, that's a different, the Subway series, living in New York and the pressure that's on both those teams during the Subway series, um, and I, I've told this story, Bear, that, you know, when the Subway World Series happened, I missed most of it because my son was born. So I really right. it was hard for me. It was Steven. My last son was born in the middle of that World Series. So I couldn't really capture. I, I just, you know, and I was I, you know, something I always wanted to see and everything. And I just really didn't get a chance to enjoy that. Not that I wasn't enjoying, obviously a birth of my son, but there was so much going on. Um, and, you know, my wife in the hospital and a lot too. And she had, you know, uh, you know, it, it's an emotional thing and, and baseball. I did watch a little bit from time to time, but not, I didn't get really get a chance to enjoy that world series that year. So uh, I, but you know, it was huge in New York. Yeah. It was an enjoyable series. Um, yeah. So- five, it only went five games, but it was from everyone said it was an enjoyable. Everyone enjoyed that world series in New York. Yeah. Um, Holy shit, Pete Alonzo went off, dude. Three for four, yep. two home runs, two runs scored, five RBIs, one walk. Yep. Holy crap, yep. man. Lindor went three for five, scoring three runs. McNeil went two for four, three, R- three RBI and, and uh, a run scored. Yep. Nobody else did anything. Um, Verlander, Verlander was kind of all over the place. I said he pitched well. He pitched six innings. He gave up only two hits, but walked four, struck out six. Yep. He's not having a bad, he's not having a, like a terrible year. I mean, yeah, he's only five and five, but his ERA is still under three and a half. You know, he's not doing It's Scherzer who's been more of the problem this year. It's actually been sure, you know, and Verlander started hurt, don't forget, too. So. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, how do we want? We want to talk more about the Padron? Do we want to get into our next next segment here? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm about the end of the second third here. We'll do the I'm, second I'm get- third after. Yeah, we'll do our final notes on the second third after the next segment. But I mean, yeah, this is this is. I actually tried to slow it down a bit because it was starting to burn fast. 
Um, and I'll comment on that a little bit. So why don't we, why don't we do this? Because we always put this one off. Let's go in. We've been talking. Let's go in. Let's shift gears. We'll go to the great things are happening here segment right now. Okay. Um, and of course, I want to mention it's brought to you again by Tobacco RSA. Maker of iconic branches of Monte Cristo, Romeo Huda, H. Upman, and AG Room Cigars. Tobacco RSA, great things are happening here. Thank you again to uh, Tobacco RSA for being one of our sponsors this year for the PCA Trade Show. Um, their support was greatly appreciated on that. Um, so uh, thank you guys. on Thanks to them. And of course, thanks to Drew Estate and Saga Cigars as well. But all right. So Bear, um, I'll kick this one off. Okay. Okay. Um. So I picked a story that kind of was reminded me something of a story in my childhood. And uh, it's a gentleman by the name of Sam Kaplan, who was uh, 72 years old. And he graduated from uh, a Georgia college uh, at the age of 72. Uh, he had not hit the book since the 1960s, but he went back to college and he got his degree. And probably what the most amazing thing was, uh, and it was Georgia Gwinnett College he graduated from. But the most amazing thing is his mother, who was 99 years old, was there as part of the graduation. Mm, that's awesome. Um, okay, so this kind of um, is a little bit of a reminiscent story for me. I'm going to talk a little about the story because this is why I picked this story. Um, I had this teacher in fifth grade. Her name was Mrs. Chorman. I think she was one of the best teachers I ever had. And she was in her 60s when she was my teacher. And I think I think she may have passed away recently. I'm not sure if she's passed away, but she lived very, a very long life. I can tell you that. Um, but she was in she was like, this is 78, right? So I think she was in her early 60s when she was teaching, right? I don't know if she lived to be 100 or not. That I don't know. But I knew she was like in there, still going in her 90s for a while. Um her husband, who was older than her, graduated college that year, but she was teaching the fifth grade class. And I remember she was telling the story. And then when my mom went to the parent meetings, my mom was like fascinated by the story. I think he's, her husband was like in her late 60s and went and got, got his college degree. He was retired and he wanted to get the last thing he wanted to do was just finish up college. So he went and did that. And so I, I'd say he was probably somewhere as mid mid to later 60s when he got the degree. And when I saw this, I was just reminded of that whole you know part of my life there uh, with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, you, got a, you got a bachelor's degree, by the way. So great job by Sam Kaplan here. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, his name reminds me of a manager in baseball. No, um, no, no. Kaplan. Kaplan. I'm just, no, I'm just saying it reminds me of it. You know, even spells it with a K. You know? No, Kapler is not a... Kaplan. Okay. There's Gabriel Kaplan, who is Mr. Cotter. Okay. Then there's the idiot in San Francisco. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I didn't I'm, go down that route. You brought this up. <laughs> I hope, uh, I hope my mother is, uh, has a similar story one of these days. Um, she started going back to school before my dad got sick and, uh, um, she hasn't been able to go back, but you know, you know, maybe, maybe in a few years. Yeah, she'll she'll do it. My my mom went and got her degree later in life too. Um, like it was in her forties she got it, or late thirties, early forties. Yeah, I was. She graduated college only a few years before I did, actually. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, and then she she worked until her seventies. She worked until she was seventy five. So, uh, 
But we call my mom uh, America's oldest teenager for a reason. She's like America's oldest teenager, my mom. She's absolutely the party, the life of the party. That's so, awesome. Yep. Yeah, so God bless her. Yeah. Now she's enjoying retirement. So uh, good for her. So, so yeah, um, that's my story there, Bear. Uh, um, I'll put the link up there, but I think that's the story in itself. It's there's uh he did a you know great job at age seventy two. Uh, you know, I I don't know if I can go hit the books again. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 thirty four years I've graduated college. I don't think I can go back to school. <laughs> I thought there was one point where I was gonna go back for grad school and I didn't. It was very early on and I was making money at that point, so I didn't want to give it up. So uh i never got my masters i regret it but uh i didn't need it turned out but i would have liked to have had it yeah so all right so bear what do you got uh, this is a story that actually made it onto a lot of the mainstream uh channels uh which is pretty rare for some of the stuff coming off the good news network but uh the during uh you know that the, earlier this week um uh tim shattuck Timothy Shattuck, 51 years old, and his dog were rescued after being lost three months at sea. So you think in 2023, like, how holy cow, like, how does this happen? So in 2023, Timothy Shattuck, 51, and his dog were rescued after three months adrift at sea. Now being, they were, uh, they were both treated uh, with, you know, medically treated afterwards. Both are in excellent shape. Um, you know, so they're all, they're very good health. Um, you know, obviously they're very tired, I'm sure. So they need to, you know, rest, get some a real meal and stuff. But, uh, um, but yeah, he, he was on board a tuna trawler that uh, a tuna trawler actually from Australia rescued him in the Pacific. So um, pretty, pretty cool. Um, I have to imagine that it was, it was pretty harrowing at some point. So, um, but you know, when you, it's, it's really funny. If you look at the picture of him, he, he, do, he totally looks like Tom Hanks's character in Castaway. <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, so in May, back in May, Shattuck departed Sydney, uh, in a catamaran and, and his, his route was supposed to take him to French Polynesia, but bad weather knocked out all of his electronics. And that's why he was lost at sea, uh, for all this time. So he kept himself protected from Stunbird by hiding under a canopy and, um, you know, and he managed to catch enough fish to feed him and his dog uh, that he with the gear he had on board. Of course, they they ate it raw, um, but his dog, Bella, and uh, uh, both of them survived after two months of isolation. So rainwater kept them alive while they hoped for a rescue, which came, you know, just a couple couple few, few days ago. And uh, and he's being brought back to Mexico where he will uh, receive proper, proper, even more proper medical attention. So, wow. I mean, cool story, man. That is a cool. So you can see him on the right there. You know, you know what it looks like on the left. Is that him on the left beforehand? Uh, no, that's him afterwards on the left. Wait, so it's him on the left, left afterwards, and then, who's on the right then? I have no idea. Okay, is that his okay. dog? That's not his dog. No, no that's uh, this guy here. Um. Uh, Okay, I thought this would might have been him on the right. No, the picture of him when he departed or shortly before he departed is actually a little bit lower in the story. Okay. And you know, he had a beard, so it yeah, wasn't like he yeah, grew that. Yeah. He didn't grow that in two months. Like okay. that's that's bare that's a bare level achievement right there on yeah. that beard, though, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Pretty cool. Do dogs eat fish? Who dogs eat fish is my Absolutely. 
Yeah. Okay, I, I don't know more about dogs. That's why right. I always hear yeah. know, cats. I feed, I feed my dog. I feed my dog salmon. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. A thousand percent. Okay, so they'll eat fish, I guess. Okay, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you guys. And when you're fucking hungry enough, especially a, especially an animal, an animal will eat anything. You know? I guess you yeah, bet starvation or eating a raw fish. I mean, not that I'm against raw fish, but obviously, you know, uh, you gotta be careful yeah. eating raw fish. Yeah, Loomis would be dead. Loomis doesn't like. He doesn't do seafood. He wouldn't have lived. He wouldn't live. That's a question but, for Aaron. But Loomis probably, was. probably Aaron wouldn't have been out there in the first place because you know what's he gonna do? Why is he okay. out there? In the, there will be a question for Aaron Loomis on that at some point. If you were at sea for two months, would you would you drink rainwater and raw fish if that's all you can have? Absolutely. Wow. Thousand percent. Yep. Two good stories. I like that story that you have this week. That was a good one. Um, now, if I had to eat eggs, that I, I don't think I could do it, Bear. Really? I don't think I could do it. Uh desert desert island. There's there's a there's a group of chickens laying eggs for you. You wouldn't do it. I don't think I could do it. I mean, I know it's come easy. on, man. Rocky, your hero, did raw eggs, man. You can do it. Of course, on a desert island, you'd have access to fire. You could cook them up, man. You could fry an egg. But by, by the way, have you watched the reality series The Family Stallone? No, I heard you mention it though. Yeah, I, I started watching it. I, I mentioned that I think in our chat uh, because apparently Sloan is obsessed with eggs and his daughters say it comes from the scene. Um, it's they, they almost implied that he eats raw eggs, but they didn't say. But he apparently he's obsessed with eggs. But I'm telling you, the first episode, cigars were very, very prominently featured on that show. Um, he was gifted a box of Davidoff Salamones, Royal Salamones from his daughters. And there's a scene where his daughters actually go into a cigar shop. Oh, very cool. Which is and they're smoking in there in the lounge, and it's very interesting. Um, so uh, again, it, you could just watch the first episode and see that. Um, well, I know it's a little segue, but the eggs, I guess, came you know rocky and stuff. So I would check it out. It was it was good to see. It was good to see that actually, and they portray cigars very positively in in that episode. They're not per, they're not portrayed negatively at all. So I thought it was a very good thing if you're to see that show portray cigars in a, in a very positive light. Absolutely. Yeah. The other episodes, I've watched a few of the other ones. Uh, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm watching it. Probably one of the few reality shows I watch. Uh, I haven't really seen much in cigars, but uh, but the first episode did feature cigars and the box of cigars he got. And you could see it's the Royal Salomon. It's ter- Stallone mentions Davidoff on the show as well. So uh, it was interesting. Uh, but, it, but they went to some hand roll place, too, which was pretty cool. Where they have a, not the hand rolls, house rolls place uh as well so you see a lot of the house roll stuff and then you can see them going in the humidor looking at some of the brands as well it was pretty cool so nice yeah but that was how great things are happening here segment um brought to you by tobacco usa so um again thanks to tobacco usa oh the contest going on right now so we're doing the contest on the web right now if you're if you're watching and you haven't gotten into the contest uh, we are giving away a uh, an aging room uh, an aging room gift set, right? Now, guess what? I'm going to tell you a couple of things. This includes cigars and booze, right? Which we normally don't do. Okay. Um, so I'm going to put a picture up here so people can see it. Um, what you're going to get here, and I'll tell you, you don't have to enter in the comments. You don't have to. No hashtags are required tonight, which is really good. Uh, but this is a cool contest. I'm surprised we only have 36 entries, but I'm giving two of these away. Because we hit the minimum threshold for me to add a second one. 
uh, you get uh, on the right side, you get this. I'm going to start from right to left. You get this cool notebook. Okay. Just a notebook, an aging room notebook. You You're get not this. sharing your screen, by the way, if you're um, wondering. Now you are. Okay. Now, now it's you are. Okay. So on the right, you get this aging room notebook. Um, You get a really cool wireless speaker because you got to have music, right? If it's Raphael, this is a Raphael Nodell gift set, right? I can see totally. writing down notes. You get the speaker to listen to your music. You get a little sample of Diplomatical Rum, right? So Raphael loves his Diplomatical Rum. And then you get Raphael's, uh, the, um, you get the Aging Room Quattro Nicaragua. It's not the size I got number one, but uh, it's the Toro size. Uh, it, uh, it's the um, vibrato size. And then you get the new two Sonatas uh, in that same size. So this is the Raphael Nodal. Uh, you want to live like Raphael Nodal, you can write, smoke, drink, uh, and listen to music all with this gift set. Uh, I think it's a pretty cool gift set, actually. So uh, all you have to do to enter is go to Cigar Coop at the top of the page. You can The contest is at the top of the page. Cigar-coop.com. Click on the top of the page. And I'll even, you know what? I'll even go and show you. Here it is right here. Uh, and then basically what you need to do is in the comments, you put a cigar that was uh, released at the trade show uh, or a company that you're looking forward to seeing what they came out with. And you put it in the comments. So, um, and you can go to, we have a link to my cigar big board. So if you don't know some cigars, there's really no wrong answer. I even said it doesn't have to be on the big board, by the way. If I miss the cigar and there's one you're looking forward to, put it on there. Yeah. Uh, and I'll pick two winners at random for this. And we got a bunch of stuff there. So uh, some good answers. A lot of soccer, by the way. A lot of soccer in the comments. A lot of people excited about the Papa, the Papa, Papa soccer. I, I, yeah, I think Papa soccer. I'm telling you, I am. I, I think Papa soccer is going to win the consensus this year. I, I really do because it's better than it's better than soccer con. And I think a thousand percent better than soccer. I think it's going to be. The, I, I'm predicting it wins. It. I'm predicting it wins the consensus this year. I don't think nice. anything else stopped that from winning the consensus. I think it's and we all I think everyone who went to the show that I know of said Papa Saka was better than Saka Khan. There were people like Saka Khan that said it was better. And there were people indifferent on it that said it was better. So that was a, a big reaction, a uh, good reaction from Steve there. Nice. Yep. So, again, thanks to uh, the folks at um, Tobacco RSA. Thank you to Olivia and the team there, uh, Stephen as well. They they really took care. I by the way, I will be sending these gift packs out directly. So um, once once I pick the winners, I'll then I got to just make sure I mail them to you guys. So right. I know we're going to touch on this later, but I, since we're since we're on the topic of Altidus USA uh, and Tobacco USA, I gotta say, man, they were they were fantastic to us this year. Um, I really I, I really enjoyed I really we enjoyed spent a lot of time in that. We spent a long time in that booth too. Yeah, I really enjoyed our interview with with Raphael and Jennifer uh, when we had them on for the Monte Cristo 1935 release a couple of years back. Um, and you know, Jennifer, Jennifer and Raphael again both took us around the booth for the most part. Uh, no, actually, it was both of them. Um, and and I really, I really enjoyed interviewing both of them. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, and like, it was just like. Like you can tell that they're really, they're really genuinely excited about the projects they work on. Like, and I'm telling really you, cool. Diamante. I know it was a little bit anticlimactic with the Diamante, but I'm telling you, it was the first time a lot of people. It's not because I actually released Diamante to the Casa de Monte Cristos, but I'm telling you, it was the first time a lot of people smoked the Diamante. It was a lot of the first time they saw the Diamante and got to touch it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a great cigar, is what I'm just saying. It's a great cigar. Um, and I think it did have some buzz at the trade show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some people who disagreed with me. 
picking Altidus as one of the two big companies. I thought there was good buzz. If, if anything, if I had to be anything, I think I think they needed more staff in that booth. To be honest with you, I think they, I think they, I think they were just kind of going back, and they, they didn't think they had a big booth, right? So, that, but I think that was the only thing I could say. But believe me, they were they were working hard in that booth. Um, Absolutely. Sure. And it wasn't like, uh, but yeah, it was a great experience we had there. Um, I thought the products were. And, and and there's a lot of projects coming down the road this year with them too, and I give them credit they didn't rush them to have them ready at the trade show. Yeah, but there are. Was... We had Raphael on the last show, so uh, you know like he already talked about some of those projects. Yeah, I, we spoke to Diamante. It was fun. a new Trinidad. I think is coming a new St. Louis Ray. You gave Raphael his award. I know he was very appreciative of that. Uh, well, you gave the company the award, and Raphael accepted it, which was a great moment. Um. And I'm going to say another thing. Uh, I want to also thank Raphael. If you guys did not catch the interview we did with former NFL head coach Steve Wilkes, formerly the coach of the Car- uh, head coach of Cardinals and the Panthers, now the defensive coordinator of the um, 49ers, Raphael never had a lot to do with getting that interview done for us. So he introduced me to Wilkes's agent. Nice. Uh, and so Raphael was a, and I smoked because uh, he knows Wilkes's agent, and he happened to be at Raphael's when I was there. So. You know, there's a lot of things that have to go into getting a guy like Steve Wilkes on a show. Uh, it's it's stressful when that happens, uh, but he couldn't have been a nicer guy. Uh, and he, you've, been, met, you've met him before, haven't you? No, I had not met him before. Oh, okay. My yeah. apologies. I talked to him the day before the interview. My phone rings and it was him. Um, and I didn't know it was you know, I didn't have the caller ID set up, but and I look, I picked it up because it was a but uh but yeah, so we uh it was yeah, so I want to thank Raphael for that as well. He really for him to believe in us enough to recommend uh you know to Wilkes' agent for us to have him on the show. And he's a regular, he's a cigar guy, Steve Wilkes. He loves cigars. Um, so there's some cool questions. I think we didn't get technical into cigars, um, but it was it was kind of interesting, you know, and we knew it turned out Charlotte's a very small world. And we know all the same retailers and everything. So it was cool. Nice. Very yep. cool. Yep. Let's go back to the Padron. So I am almost at the end of the second third. I've already. I'm this. well into the last third at this point. Okay. So I'm a little behind you. But where are you right now in terms of what, what's the cigar doing for you right now? Uh, so the second third finished off for me a lot stronger than the first third. The strength is cracking, cranking up just like it yep. did with the first uh, time that we experienced. Yep, definitely uh, crank it up, yeah. As far as the flavor notes, uh, this, the, the creaminess is kind of dissipating a little bit for me uh, in favor of that strength. Um, but it's still a very, it's still, the, the, the smoke is still very velvety, still coating the palate really nicely. Yeah. Uh, the retro hail is still not like a spice bomb. It's not like clearing out your sinuses, um, and, but it's still got a nice touch of pepper to it. Um, but yeah, it's mostly dull, got it's that. Good, it's all pepper is what I called it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, still got some leathery components. Some nice nuttiness is kind of coming into the fray for me. Uh, that back end uh, apricot note has kind of gone, um, but it's kind of been placed uh, with a little bit more of a baking spice. I characterize it not, it's not abrasive like cinnamon. Um, it's more like a, uh, a clove or a, a, like a, like a, yeah, like a nice clove sweetness. Yeah. Uh, agree on everything. Um, definitely this, the apricot sweetness is subsiding. Um, there's a lot of, I, I keep going the smoke production in a cigar. I don't remember the smoke production, like the last, 
last time I smoked it like this. Nice amount of smoke production. That's not a negative. That's a positive. It's burning a lot. I burned through the second, third much quicker. It, it definitely is is accelerating. The drawers kind of opened up a little more than maybe I want, but the combustion is fine. Uh, it's not in danger of, of getting too hot, this cigar, uh, but I'm, I'm controlling it a bit, too. Uh, the flavors are all there, Bear. Uh, I agree with you. Um, that nutty component is definitely surfaced right now. Uh, but it's th- I still think this is still coffee predominant. Uh, I'm getting and it. And it's it's still it's a rich coffee. Yes, some of the, the creaminess has subsided, but it's not gone by any means. Um, you know, again, uh, it's it's again, it's it's per- performing extremely well. Two, I've had two really good thirds. Do I think we're going to get a crescendo with favor into the lesser? No, I do not. <laughs> it, it is rare, but uh, I'm enjoying this quite a bit. It is I'm enjoying I'm, as, as far as where I, I'm getting to the end of the second third right now, I'm about to pull the primary band off. Um, I would say, again, I didn't go back and watch the. Sh- I don't go back and watch it. But what I will say is I feel like I'm I'm enjoying this experience more than the first. So the aging has been kind to it. Um, I don't know. The, the aging, I don't know how much the age has changed this cigar, except maybe kind of reinforce some things with this cigar. You know, reinforce some of the qualities and the qualities are standing out. But it hasn't like changed the overall flavor profile of this immensely. Yeah, I agree. Oh. I always have trouble removing this band, this underband. I've always got to be careful with this. It's just it's a little tough to do, but uh, it, it did come off. So it was hot enough where you got to be a little careful removing that primary band is what I tell folks. Uh, the Pistola Lighter is doing a really nice job with this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Who says you can't use a $15 Palio lighter to, to smoke up a drum? Ash is great. Nice ash. Um, I like the way this cigar feels. Um, you mentioned the velvety texture of the smoke. I, I so much agree with you on that. That's a good word with this. Yeah, it really coats the palate in a really cool way. Yep. Yep. I like when smoke does that. It's yeah. nice. It's nice. It coats it very well. Um, uh, and then I like the aromas that I'm getting off the smoke as well, which is why I, I like the smoke production. I like a cigar. This is not um, undercrown, actually, Nica Rustica smoke production. But for Padron, I don't remember having this much smoke production on one. I don't know if you're getting that level of smoke production. I'm getting quite a bit. Yeah, no, it's 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 still cranking. Like I said, I'm well into the last third. Yep. All right. So why don't we do this, Bear? Uh, why don't we do we'll do our next segment, and then we'll kind of wrap it up, and then we'll get into the PCA interviews. Sounds good. All right. So our next segment is our This Day in Sports History, uh, brought to you by Espinosa Cigars, makers of award-winning brands such as Espinosa 601 and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinosa. Smoke Espinosa every day. All right. So you gave me one tonight, and I have one for you. Okay. You're going to have to help me because I have no because I, I looked at the question. I don't know the answer to it. So I don't know if you want to guide me on that one a bit more. I don't know if it's one I should know the answer to. Um, and then the one I'm going to give you a hint with the one I'm giving you is not a baseball question tonight. 
Okay. So I I went with sports history this time. Okay. But I think you'll I think you'll get it. I think you'll get it. So you have a question for me. Can you give me some hints? Is there something you can guide me to? Should I know this answer? Is first of all to the question, and should I know this person? And should I know the the event? It's a two part question. So I'll let you read the question. Um, no, it's just a it's just a fun little tidbit. Um, I'll, I mean, I'll give you a hint. He was the uh, he set a major league record for a doubleheader by by doing this accomplishment. Okay, and he, and it was on July twenty fifth, nineteen thirty seven. Yeah. So he was a baseball player. Yes. Okay. He went four for four in both games, or, or, or he went he had perfect hits in both games. I don't know what his what his box scores were. Uh, it's the specific statistic. He did something. He set a major league record by doing by by accomplishing this statistic higher than any other time at the in this point in a doubleheader. So the key thing is a double header. Um, so give me an example. He's not a, he's a he's not a pitcher, so he's an offense player, right? So right. Uh, and uh, so did he? So like like uh, the most strikeouts by a batter in a double header. That's not what it was, but like a statistic like that. Okay. Most triples. No, no. Most runs scored. Most runs scored. Correct. Okay, got it. Okay, it was the most runs scored. Give me a number. What do you think? How many runs do you think he scored to to set a major league record by scoring this many runs in a doubleheader? Nine. Boom! Wow. Nice. I was thinking five and four runs. Wow. I did not. By the way, I did not even know who Mel Almada was before this game. Yeah. In Red Sox history, though, Lefty Grove actually uh, won his 300th game. I almost pulled that as the question, and I decided not to for you. But that was, yeah, that was, I was like, yeah, do I pull the Lefty? He's going to know Lefty Grove. It was like, uh, uh, so, yeah. And, okay, so let me, so today in sports history, Lefty Grove won his 300th game. What was significant about that 300th win for him? What was significant about his 300th win? There was something very significant uh, about that. He got his 300th win, um, and he got his 300th win. But what was the um, what was the importance of that in, in terms of his personal accomplishments? Well, I mean, it was it was the it was his last game. Essentially, it was his last win. That was the last time. He yeah, won. it was his last one. It was his yeah, last. Yeah. Okay. Win. Yeah. yeah. It was very much win. like Roberto Clemente, who hit three thousand hits. And yeah, that was it. Yeah, and Charlie Manuel won his thousandth game and got fired the next day. <laughs> True. They they let Charlie get to a thousand and they fired him. Look, he won and got fired. That was the like, he, he won and got respectfully, fired. <laughs> respectfully. Yeah. Lefty Grove and Roberto Clemente are. Much more significant people in baseball history than Charlie Manuel. Stop. Stop. He, Charlie Manuel is. Argue, argue, fight me on this. You're telling me that Charlie Manuel is more important to the game of baseball than Roberto Clemente. Let's take Lefty Grove off of it. That one, I think, is an argument. Listen. Roberto Clemente. Yeah. I'm not. No. Just, no. 
I understand that. I understand the his. I understand it. But you can't dismiss Charlie Manuel what he did for the Phillies. I'm he not can't. saying he's not important to the game of baseball, Coop. I'm not saying he's a louse. I'm saying Roberto Clemente is more significant to the game of baseball than Charlie Manuel. That's what I'm saying. Period. End of discussion. He's a Phillies fan. I can't. I we put him. I put Charlie right up there. Jesus Christ, dude. Oh my God, man. You, you got to understand what, what Charlie the, did. Charlie, you he's a, such a homer. He's so <laughs> beloved, though. But he's so beloved. I know. And uh, I mean, he had Roberto Jesus. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not dismissing any of those guys. They, they were great. I know. You know, if you want to make an argument about Lefty Grove, I'll, okay. I'll, 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 I'll okay. Here's what I'll say in the Philadelphia circle. Well, I would put Charlie. Man. If we're going outside the Philadelphia, yes, I'll agree with you. How, how's that? Is that a fair? Of course, yeah. No one, no, no Philadelphia Philly fan gives a crap about Roberto yep. Clemente. Yep. yep. <laughs> or Lefty Grove for that. No, matter. I do. I absolutely do. I think they're important parts. Uh, uh, you know, Lefty Grove is Lefty. I mean, uh, and by the way, Lefty Grove uh, also played for the Philadelphia Athletics. So yes. He played for was well, he played for the Athletics and the Red Sox, right? Correct. Yeah. But but he finished his career with the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his last game. Yeah, yeah but he was a fan. So lefty grow. Finding is finding is okay. In Phil, let me go back to that part. I think it's a good question. I agree that I agree with you in this grand scheme of things, right? These guys are more important. But let's go to Lefty Grove. You know, in a lot of ways, he's forgotten about in Philadelphia baseball history. Because he was he only had one All Star season there. Yeah, why. I know that's true. It's true, yeah. But he was a great yeah. player who played there. Yeah. Um, it's just that, you know, he played a hundred years ago almost. Uh, you know, he, he next he year hundred years ago, yeah. yeah he, he joined the team also. Yeah, yeah 19, 1941 was his last season. Yep. Had a great career. He got in the Hall of Fame, I think, in his uh pretty quickly, actually. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh three hundred one MVP, one MVP as a pitcher, man. Yeah. He only had twenty two hundred strikeouts. I was surprised about that one. Yeah. I was very surprised on that one. No, you he had a long career. He had a long career. Had a long career. But you can't look at strikeouts with those pitchers, man. I mean, there were, yeah, there were strikeout pitchers in the day were they didn't so throw rare. Hard. Yeah, they didn't yeah throw Wal- hard. Walter Johnson was like a fucking phenom, dude. Yeah. Like, That's why Jack Chesbro could win 41 games. Yeah, right. Dizzy yeah. Dean, like those guys, like yeah. Smokey Joe Wood, who fucking blew out his arm. Like those guys, yeah. like those guys were strikeout kings, and that was it. Like even Bob Feller was a ground ball pitcher, man, you know? Yeah. You know, for yeah. but I mean, he's not really known for he's not really known for strikeouts. Yeah. Um, because um, I the the thing about Bob Feller, like I immediately thought about him uh, in the Immaculate Grid earlier this week. Um, when we were talking about um, I forgot the I forgot the category, but it had something to do with strikeouts, right? Like it was like three thousand strikeouts, right? He didn't have three thousand strikeouts. Now he did like he was a. Str- he, he was a ground ball pitcher, yes, but he was actually he did strike out a lot of batters. There was one season where he fucking just tore the. I mean, it was sick. It was right after he got back from service. It was either in forty five or forty six, right? Maybe forty seven, where he fucking threw like three hundred and fifty strikeouts in a season. Shut up. Yeah, that was Bob Feller. That was nuts. Yeah, that guy threw that guy's curveball. That guy's curveball was unbelievable. Um, they did a, there's this, there's this really, really awesome photograph, uh, photographic piece that 
that uh, it was done in video, but then they, they went back and captured it as a photograph showing the trajectory of his curveball. It's a really cool photo. You can Google it. It's a pretty cool photo showing the showing his curveball. It was nuts. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good statistic, though. All right. So I'm going to turn to you now. And this is well, not a baseball question. By the way, there's a typo in the notes. I fixed it. The data, the year I had was wrong. Okay. okay, so I'm going to correct that. And so here it is. The year, the date is July 25th, 2004. This athlete would win the sixth of his seven consecutive championships in this major sporting event, only to be stripped of these championships eight years later. Lance Armstrong. Yep. Lance Armstrong won his sixth Tour de France that year. I'm going to argue with you on major sport, but that's fine. I know you have I know you have an affinity for cycling. So Look, worldwide, uh, I got to be honest, in Europe, Tour de France is probably the second biggest thing behind World Cup. It's huge. Okay. Uh, uh, I, it's it, look, it, it's uh, a worldwide. It will go globally. Okay, sure. Um that's not a minor sport. When you're either. when you're hearkening the 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 lore of sportdom, you don't look at the continent of Europe. I'm just saying. We're gonna talk about no, worldwide. But, then but it's it has fine. but 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 okay. It cycling, let me kind of name us okay, other than okay, so if we're talking about cycling, yes. So cycling yeah. is the premier I would say this is the premier sport in probably Europe. That's that's what Europe is known for. Give me okay. the other one. Give me another one that like, oh yeah, I think of Europe when I think of this sport. And don't say soccer because that's not true. Skiing. Skiing's huge in Europe. Okay. Yeah, skiing's very big in Europe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would say skiing is is one. Uh probably the other one. So I'd say skiing would probably be the next one. Sean Miles I'm, I'm get the right. out of the chat. Don't he said cycling's a major sport. No, it's not. It is, it is. But but I'm not ready to put basketball there. Okay. But here's let me let me kind of just explain this one a bit, okay? Give me hear me out on this. So I would say up until 1985-ish, this was cycling was very much a continental European sport. Okay. Mm-hmm. Namely France, Italy, Spain. Uh, we're, we're pretty much in Belgium. I put Belgium and the Netherlands in there too. It was those five countries. When when Greg LeMond came in, cycling became much more global. You started to see uh, the the British the British cyclists, the Irish cyclists, the American cyclists, the Colombians, uh, the Australians then would come in. So it became much more. And I think Greg LeMond had a lot to do with making this a global sport. Not uh, look, I agree, it's not global FIFA global. But it became much bigger. You know, I remember when I got into cycling, it was in the early 80s. I used to have to get the New York Times. It was the only place I could find out um, the results. And I'd have to watch CBS on Sundays where they do a half-hour recap of the Tour de France for the week. That's how I used to get it. You know, now right. it's on every day and stuff like that. Uh, it's been on every day for the last 30 years. So um, it, it has gotten much bigger. I, but, yeah, it's, and I think for a while it was pretty po- – I mean, when Armstrong came in there, very popular in the U.S. Um, I'm going to give you my, my quick thing on Lance Armstrong. Was the greatest race tactician I ever saw. That doesn't change. what, what I get he, things were wrong, but as a leader of a team, he was incredible. 
is what I'll say. I'll never take that part away from him. He should have cut a deal with them. They would not have stripped him of all seven of those. He should have cut the deal. They probably would have said, we'll take three of them away. We don't want you to hold the record at five. It's it's going to come back. It's going to come back at some point. It's going to be like the Nittany Lions and Joe Paterno. They're going to give him his wins back at some yeah, point. I, it's going to come back. He's had some, I think the remorse thing is the key thing. He definitely has expressed remorse. He just waited too long to do it. That was the issue, but but he has, you know, this is my argument with Pete Rose. He doesn't have remorse. Lance Armstrong definitely has remorse right now. He knows what he did. And what is it? He made a ton of money, Lance Armstrong. He ruined so many people's lives. Oh, it was horrible. Jesus. I don't, look, he does not get a forgiveness in my book on this. He does not get forgiven on this. He ruined a lot of people's lives. And there were people under him that he ruined lives of. And there were people over him that ruined his life. It was, a, it was the whole sport, unfortunately, from like, the mid nineties to like, there was a period I'd say from 96 to really 2000. I'll say the 2010, 2012. It was, it's a dark period. I wish they could just erase those 12 years. It was bad. Um, so that's what Sean Miles is saying. He's like, the problem with the lens getting stripped is that everyone was doping. I hate that argument. Man, with all it like, respect, like, respectfully, like, respectfully, Sean, like I'm sorry, like it's the same, it's the same thing in baseball too. Like, oh well, everybody they, was, they everybody were, was, you so, know, like no, that doesn't make it okay. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make it because it, here, you know, mm. the Yano Rick, who is the big rival of Lance Armstrong, was doping too. Um, you know, there were, there were other a lot of other names like in the sport had titles taken away from them too. Um, but Lance Armstrong became, you know, when he wins seven in a row, the Tour de France, I felt they had to make them, they had to do something because that record would have just been, I I always had my suspicions of Lance Armstrong when he won his first Tour de France because he wasn't that good. He wasn't that good. That he was wasn't that good beforehand. He was, he was like, if you followed Lance in 94, right? He was a guy that was, I don't ever I don't think anyone ever had him as a guy who would win the Tour de France. Listen, I watched, uh, my brother and I watched virtually every second of Olympic coverage in the 96 Atlantic Games. And he, he participated in that Olympics and he was fucking terrible. Cause I remember being excited. I was like, Oh, a Texas guy. But I, That's cool. this, was, this was 96. That yeah. was when the, I think the cancer was already starting at that point. I think it happened right after that. But yeah, he was, he was not a climber. He was not a time trialist. He was a guy who was a guy who would win road races. He won the world championship in 93, which is a one day road race. Really. It's not one that, you know, it, it just there was something never right about it. Right. I, I, I'm the first one. But what the only thing I say when I say tactician, if you watched enough tours and you saw how he commanded his team, he was a great general on he was a great general. He was a great leader on that part. Uh, fortunately, the whole team doped, unfortunately. And uh, that was unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, yeah. But I'll say this: the greatest, the greatest sporting event I ever watched was Greg LeMond winning the second his second Tour de France uh, in that final Paris time trial. It was by far the most dramatic thing that ever happened. Nothing will ever top that Tour de France that year in '89. Uh, uh, was do you think Miguel Indurain was like the last? Was like will be like the last great European champion? Um, there's a couple of guys right now coming up who are potentially going to be really good. I don't know if Vingegaard won the Tour this year. Jonas Vingegaard. I don't think he's that. 
Um, but there's a couple of guys right now who really have a shot to be the next great European champion. Um, there's a guy, um, I, I'll butcher his name, and he hasn't rode the tour yet, but he won the tour of Spain. Um, Everpool is his name. Um, Renko Everpool. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher his name. I know. Uh, Rem, Remco Evenpool. He's going to be the next. He's going to be the next great one. He's going to be. This is guy is going to be when the history books where, are done. Where is he from? Uh, he is. I want to say he's from Belgium. Uh, I'm looking at that right now. He is. Uh, yeah, he's Belgian. Yeah. Uh, he is. He's 23 years old. So they they didn't put him in the tour yet. He's already won a world championship. He's won the Vuelta España, which is one of the three big tours. That's the Tour of Spain. He is. I'm telling you, Remco is going to be the guy. He, if he stays healthy, that's the key thing. If he stays healthy, he'll be the next. We're going to be talking about him like as, as one of the great ones. He's really good. Yeah, he's 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 really good. Um, he's a uh, he's a small little guy. Like he's five seven. He's thin, but um, but yeah, he this guy's the real deal. Um, so if he stays healthy and hopefully stays clean, we'll be talking about him. Yeah, he would be the one. Like Vingegaard is good right now, but I don't think I don't think he is like maybe he has got one more tour in him to win. He won big this year. He won his second one this year. Uh, there was a guy out of Wales, uh, Gary and Thomas, um, but he won his first tour in 2018 in his like early thirties. He just, I think he just peaked too late. Um, and then there was Chris Froome, who is always a dark clatter on Chris Froome. So, you know, Chris Froome won't be put, he won four tours, but no one will put Chris Froome because there's always been a dark cloud about him. There was a kid, um, Egan Bernal, who won the tour in 2019, and then he had a horrific crash, and he's never been the same. He's a Colombian, and a lot of people thought he was going to be the next great one, but he didn't. He had a horrific crash, and he's never been the same. So, you know, it sucks. You know, it sucks. Like I've missed the tour the last 12 years because of PCA next year. I'm really excited. I'll get to watch the tour in its entirety next. That's one good thing I'll say. So that was our Espinosa this day in sports history. Yeah. We, we went a little different bear bear got a good one tonight, actually. So, all right. I'm at, I'm almost at the end bear. Nice. So I finished um, mine. I'm getting to the last puffs in the last third. Um, it's a good last third is so far. No harshness. It's gotten a little more leathery. It's gotten a little more uh, I still get some of the coffee notes, but more I think I'm getting more earthy notes right now. The spice has creeped up, the strength has creeped yeah. up. Um strength really ramped up in the final third for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually slowing down because it's it's but it's not brutally strong. Uh, the, least enjoyable of the three thirds. I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, the spice is all around. Like your mouth is tingling. Yeah, your tongue. A lot of pepper spice. Yeah, it's a little uh, soft. It's a little soft right now, but you know it's uh, it's not like mushy. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a good it's 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 done its job well. I I actually would put this probably. 
better than the last one for sure. It, it, the six months were very kind to this. Considering, yeah. like I said, I had a little bit of a hiccup, but I don't think it had any effect of it. Yeah, um, the last the last third for me w- was very reminiscent of the last two thirds of the first one. The strength really ramped up. Um, definitely, like, maybe sweat a little bit. Um, I know I'm odd here in Texas anyway, but, like, yeah, it pretty heavy-handed. Um, yeah some char in the back but nothing too abrasive yeah nothing too offensive to the palate i got about um, an inch and a half left so i'm still in this final third so i don't know how much more i'll go with it i'll probably take it down to an inch but i don't yeah, think i was down go- i was down to about an inch yeah um but overall um i was really pleased with putting these like i'll even say this when i get more of these I will put some in the humidor because I tended to always smoke these like with Padrones. I've always gone with my Padrone up front and smoked it. Like I've always bought, I don't buy more than five and I smoke them. You know, I, you know, and I, and when I say I smoke them is, um, I don't even buy more than five. I buy two. I buy two and I smoke them pretty quick, you know, cause I don't smoke a lot of Padrones every year. So I'll say I buy, I never really bought five. This is probably the first time I bought six for this one. So, yeah, I haven't really bought five that I can think of. Uh, I've given some away that I have to, you know, if someone wants to smoke one. But have I have I aged some of them before? I mean, I, I want to say I have aged some of them before. I don't know if I've gone diligently with six months like this, though. I, I think I've tended to smoke them quicker. Because I always worry. I have, like, these – I have I have these almost 15-year-old 64s in my humidor, in the, in the personal humidor, and I don't smoke them because they're terrible. They're they're uh, exclusivos. I bought them at the end of two thousand eight, <laughs> and I still have these things. And they're they're terrible. You know, I've given a couple away, and people like them, but they're terrible. They don't age well. Um, so, but I'm happy with this. I'm very happy with this. What we've done tonight. Um, so this is definitely something I would buy. And now I wouldn't hesitate to keep these for six months. And I'm going to see what happens after the year now is, is it because if, if, if the year one is, is very comparable to the, at least the first time I smoked this, then I'm intended to buy a box of these. Now I'm, I'm tempted to buy a box, you know, and treat myself to it. I'm not ready to say it's box worthy yet. Just because again, the, the, I, I'm not going to go through a box of Padron six forty six is that quick. Yeah. Uh, would I buy a box and bring them to the compound? Maybe I'll do that. You know, I don't know. That's expensive, but, but yeah, I would do that. That's all I got to say on this. I think it was, uh, I thought it was good. I, I, I thought this was a good job tonight. I forget, did we do a score of this or no? I don't think we've scored these. I don't think so. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. So we won't score it. We won't score it then. We'll score the last one. How about that? Yeah, we'll score the last one. I think that'll be a good idea. So uh, we should do a Padron for a round table at some point, too. Yes. So I agree. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll get it. We have another segment. We're going to talk about, we'll take you guys a little behind the scenes at PCA uh, with the interviews. Like I said, it won't be the recap. We'll have some, we'll do some recap, obviously, with this. But, um, Let's get into, before we do that, let me mention Michael's Tobacco. 
With just over a decade of ownership, Michael's Tobacco has become the premier tobacconist in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area and cigar patrons the world over. With two convenient locations in Euless, just a quick jump from the DFW airport and Keller, Texas, Michael's Tobacco stands as a beacon for the Texas cigar retailers. Michael's was the very first cigar lounge in the state of Texas to add a full bar to its list of ever-growing accommodations. Proprietor Mike Peacock is a former IPC board member and now made Michael's a family affair by having his son Bob join the ownership force. Together, they have brought a true and blessed mainstay for their respective communities. Whether you're celebrating an anniversary, birthday, home, one, or just a desire to relax, Michael's cigar will have the perfect Michael's will have the perfect cigar waiting with an exquisite beverage pairing and lively conversation. Visit Michael'sTobacco.com to, for more details and a calendar of upcoming events. Michael's Tobacco, not just a cigar shop, but the perfect blend of Texas hospitality in the days of yore. And we should give a quick thank you to Brandon, by the way. I know we, we've gotten a lot of cigars through him and the team's gotten it. And I'm sure we're going to be putting some orders in pretty soon with him as the PCA stuff rolls in. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. All right. Brandon. All right. So I called this. This is kind of the last thing we're going to do tonight. Um, and uh, what I called this tonight is um, – I, I, I don't this was what I was intending with this segment, right? Because I really didn't I was I called it the interviews, but it's kind of like a little behind the scenes inside baseball of what we went through at the show. Let me let me just kind of just say this. Our team this year just knocked it out of the park. I I was so happy with with every all the coverage we had. We all had some hurdles this year, by the way, at the trade show. We all dealt with some stuff off that we all, you know, it's, it's, this, we have lives outside the trade show and everyone had, had some challenges. And the, 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 what we did this year was incredible. And I go back there. The year you joined the team was 2017. Um, I went to that. You did not, I, we had just started working together only a couple of months yeah. ago. So you did not go to that trade show with me. Correct. And it was the worst trade show I ever had. Um, it was a disaster. Because it you got was sick, right? I got sick. I, I, I missed photos. I mean, miss booze. I had information. It was a mess. And it was because we were and I was doing smooth drawers stuff, which was distracting. And it was a complete train wreck. I was so I was almost tempted to say I am done going to the trade show because not that I didn't want to go, but I can't cover this anymore. So I knew. The following year, you were going to be coming in, so there was some hope, and we, we you kind of came in, um, and things started to improve, definitely, right? And I remember we were doing, in 2019, right, before the pandemic, uh, you and I, we did a couple of interviews. Um, we did some interviews, right? Mm-hmm. That, we did. I think a, we we did. did yeah, we, so the first year, we just did one. Really, it was Steve, and then and then we did, yeah, and then we did a collection of four. We did four. We did Dumbarton, Ernesto, and the two uh, at um, Royal Royal because I wanted to interview um, Horace Winterman's Horace Winterman's, and I said, please let me do that one. And we were using laptops. We had the worst setup, right? Even, but I started. I watched, you know, as Bear did these interviews that year. I'm like. Damn, you know, I was always hesitant to do go the interview video route, right? And I sat there and I'm like, Bear's like, and I'm gonna get into Bear is really good at this, right? He he is. I'm gonna say this, Bear. You delivered George Brightman quality. 
is what you're doing now. I mean, you're at that level delivering those types of interviews. And that's that's some I'm putting some heavy praise because it's hard. Yeah, that's how good these and and these interviews aren't like and I always kid bear. Don't ask how the trade show is going. Right. These interviews were giving insights that I don't think anyone else is giving the insights into. Uh, and I saw bits of that, like especially I think when you were doing the Ernesto interview that year and the Saka interview, those, those two in particular. And I said, Bear, we gotta we gotta start doing more video, right? I mean, you, you gotta be the you gotta be the quarterback here. This is this is you. You're better at this part than me. I'm not good at the the man on the street interview. And we had plans to bring in um another person, and then there was no show, and then we met Nielsen. Nielsen comes in, and then all of a sudden Ben Billy becomes available, who has been doing this for like 15 years. Or more and we bring in one of the best video guys and now suddenly everything changed but i think this year more than anything we the interviews i think we cover the products really well in the written piece and we do a good job in the interviews but these interviews even the short ones were we were getting insights into the company we were getting insights into the person the questions like steve has always challenged us not to ask these cookie cutter questions. And if you watch these interviews that bear did and bear does these interviews cold, like I know he does prep beforehand, but he kind of goes in there and he just reads the situation. He reads the booths. Occasionally he'll come back to me and say, Hey, I'm not sure what they have new here. You know? And and I, I coach him like for 60 seconds on it. Right. And then he runs with it. These interviews were amazing bear. And, and, and and hats off our, our, our audio was, I think there was only one one or two videos that had off audio and they're not terribly off. Like the video was great. The audio was great. I'm not walking in front of the camera as much. <laughs> so there's little things we're doing. We upgraded our photography. You really, you really stepped it up this year, Coop. I, I, I worked, happen. well, now, you know, we, we've done this three times. Like the first year, we we, we never did it before, right? Um, We actually upgraded our camera this year and the pictures are better. I mean, photography is hard at the trade show. Um and, and Nielsen did a great job. Uh, he did all the photography the first day. I added. I did the next three days because Aaron had to unfortunately um, go back, um, and deal with something. But you know that he needed to take care of that. And but but we had a better camera. We had better equipment. So I was really. I came out as really happy this year. Um, we, I mean this was the best year. I thought we had the best year, and I thought we had the best coverage. And I'm I'm no I'm sounding braggadocious on it, but I'm ready to say it. And I hope if people haven't checked out these interviews, start doing it. Bear. But I mean, you were doing George Brightman quality this year. That's the level he was at. That's the best in the business. He's the That's, best in the business. Thank you, Coop. That's very humbling. No, and we had some really great conversations. You know, at the end of each show, I always ask you, I I I, I ask you usually at the end of each day, but I I, I kind of saved saved it. I wasn't really happy with day two. Um day one we had well, day two we had to deal with kind of going, we had we were a little shorthanded. On day two, so we had to kind of adjust to that too. Yeah, I wasn't really happy. Well, I just, but you did no. You had some good interviews on day. You had some really. We'll talk about. It. You had some very good day two interviews. I disagree with you on that. Yeah, but I think we stepped it up, and you know, day three was really good. Um, and I think day four was probably our best day four ever, which is sad because but that's we didn't. Going we, away. But, but we didn't do a lot on day four this year. We only did I think six interviews that day, and three of them were like long interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. No, it was like, you know, I remember the first year we we were kind of like, like we said, hey, maybe, you know, we, we, were, we were all kind of like um, looking on ways to improve. I didn't think this year, I thought this year we really just 
we just knocked it out this year. I mean, it was just, um, we don't do 180 booths. We're not going to do, we're never, I think we came to that realization, Barry, that's not the way we should do this. Unfortunately, people get missed and it's unfortunate, but you know, we did, for example, we missed Matt booths, but we spoke to Matt and we got him on a zoom and we got his interview that way afterwards. Yeah, so. it was pretty cool. And I've said this, anyone who feels they're missed, call me and we'll work something out. Um, I tried to reach out to some people, but, um, I also felt that we we set. I think there we actually set a goal of 50, 50 booze, but we I think we actually have about seventy interviews because some of the booze were broke up this year. Oh, big- I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I was just counting booths. Uh, we did one more booth video uh, video than we did last year, and yeah, to your point, we had more interviews because forged and Altidus we broke up quite a bit. Uh, quality and, and, and forged quality, we yeah. broke up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so- yeah, sure. So, that worked out really well. But we did one more booth than we did last year. That was my goal. When you told me the number we did last year, and I was like, I, I and I had I had that number in mind going into day four, and I knew we had those big three yeah. and those three big interviews. I was like, we're gonna get fucking fifty five. And we we would have we would have had the schedule not fucked us. And, and it was, we did no, we did get fifty five because I I interviewed Enrique again last oh. as as the booth was coming down. It was awesome. okay. So so we probably would hit sixty though if the if the schedule didn't fuck us up. And the schedule fucked us up this year because of the CRE thing. Yes. Which uh, I'll be talking a lot about that on the recap. But what I'll just say is for folks who don't know, there was a CRE meeting that took place five o'clock on the trade show floor the last hour at Rocky Patel's booth. And basically the job was they wanted all the the stakeholders there. We had two interviews scheduled on, we had, we had Nick Malolo and we had, Pete Johnson. Pete Johnson. We had to push those to they were in the last part of that day three. And my my thing is look, I think the CRE meeting, first of all, is great, right? And I think we should actually have our cameras there for the CRE interview. Yeah. But they don't tell anyone they they don't tell anyone about it. Yeah, the only reason we knew about it was because Pete told us. Because of Pete. And then we went to Nick and because we was remember we were gonna we had we had Nick first, then Pete, right? Nick was running late, so we went to Pete early and Pete couldn't do it. We went back to Nick and Nick's like, oh, yeah, I got to go to this too now. So it's like, yeah. Uh, and I don't fault that. I think that's something I'd like to cover um, and do video for, but it messed us up bad. Uh, so mm-hmm. the last day we had Nick Malillo, we had Pete Johnson and Steve Saka. Um, big interviews. And they were big. They were longer extended interviews, by the way. But let yeah. me, yeah. They're yeah, and they were fun too. Those guys yeah. are great. So yeah. So let me ask you a question here. I want to kind of interrogate you a bit. Because you're the guy doing these interviews, right? And really what I what I do is I don't really we don't go to Bear and say, we may suggest a thing or two, like, hey, try to mention this, right? But for the most part, we don't coach you what to do. You kind of go in there ad hoc, read the situation, and you deliver an, an interview. How do you approach this, Bear? Because that is a, you know. I've seen a lot of the other coverage and there's some good coverage out there, but you know, a lot of it is like, Hey, what do you got? How's the show going? What do you have out there? But you were asking these bear questions that just in every one of these interviews had these questions in there that just weren't, I couldn't have done it. I gotta be honest. I could not have done it. That's why bear is our lead interview guy. Well, I think again, thank you. This is really high praise. Um, it's a little, a little, a little embarrassing. Um, but, uh, but thank you for the high yeah. praise. I really do appreciate it. Um, I've, I, well, as you know, I mean, I've always prided myself on interviewing. Yeah. Uh, it's something I take a lot of pride in. It's something yeah. I really enjoy about my show in particular. I love doing it on this show too, when we have the opportunity to have great guests. Um, but, you know, when I go into a booth 
uh, to your point, it, it, it really is a situational read. So like, for example, like we mentioned Jorge Padron a couple of years ago, like right. we had a couple of minutes with him. There's a couple of things I want to hit really quick. Um, and for me, it was really important, especially since it was my first time interviewing George. Um, I really, I really wanted to, you know, even though his father had passed, you know, a few years prior to that, I really yeah. wanted to talk about the legacy of his father. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what it meant to the the direction that he was taking the company. And so like I needed to encapsulate that in a very short period of time. So I wanted to pay respect to his father um, while asking my question. Um, and I think that's really important too. Like, so if for, I'll, I'll give you a great example um, this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my first interview with Rocky Patel was two years ago right. at 2021 as well. And that, that was that was a lot of fun. Rocky's a Rocky's a ball of energy. He's fantastic. Um, and give you the best five. One, give me one of the best five minute interviews. He'll give you. Yeah. Yeah. That was that one. That one in particular was more more Rocky than me. I I kind of mm-hmm. just let him go, and he was talking about his new products. That was the year that the um you know the sixty came out and things like that. So it was uh you know and white label and stuff like that. So yeah. a lot to be excited about. A lot to be really jumped in, and it was you could see it. Like he was yeah. totally jazzed. Um, last year was interesting too because you know we had award, we had an award to give him. I got, I didn't get kissed this year, by the way. You got, yeah, you got kissed twice. That was really cool. Um, yeah. But it was a very, it, it um, he had it that that was probably that was Rocky probably as his, at his most subdued. But he was, I think, he was so elated because of one he was getting honored by you but like even not to not to overshadow that point but like we had just won that huge case against the FDA with judge made his ruling and he was such an intricate part in that you know and he, he was is, emphatic why no one was talking about it yes and emphatic so we emphatic about that yeah so we talked about that and you know it was like okay we have like we have the DBS and it's like okay great that's fantastic the 10th anniversary of the edge okay cool but it was like, man, this decision, this is this is monumental. And it was like the culmination of his life's work, man. Like he really had put it. Now this year, you know, uh, you know, his, you know, like he was he was again, he's always busy. So it was back to Rocky being in a more uh, in more like Rocky mode. And so my approach to him was wanting to talk specifically like about like this 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 particular project that he's, that he was putting out there that, you know, it's hundred dollars cigar, right? right? Which we had actually heard rumors. It was a hundred. It wasn't confirmed. It was a hundred dollars. Very asked him in the so interview. Rocky, Rocky so almost hesitated him. when we knew, when we knew so it. I, yeah. I asked him. So I was like, but I, I really, but the thing I was talking about with him and where I think Rocky's really stepped up his game in the last few years too, is Rocky's always made beautiful cigars and he's always presented them really well with the exception yeah. of like the classic edge, which is just in a crate and it, that's a cigar. It is what it is. And right. who the fuck cares? He sells a million of them. I think I'm underselling him there. I think he sells way more than that, but like he sells a ton of them who cares what it looks like. Right. But I think in recent years, like Rocky's done a really good job with presentation of his product. Like he takes a lot of pride in the fact that, and he's really stepped up his game in terms of blending the product. His product is more consistent than it's ever been yep. it's um i've really this for me this is kind of a throwback to when i first started smoking and started smoking rocky patel cigars like when the decade was released like that was a pretty that was still probably still one of my favorite rocky patels and like when i first started smoking and but over the years you know he he 
saturated the market with new releases. That was his bag. It was almost kind of like seven, eight new releases, throw yeah, something at the wall. And yeah, it was almost kind of like a joke, you know, a little bit. And, you know, it be kind of became his shtick. And so I, I didn't ask him this, and this might be a fair question to ask him. Uh, you know, I asked him two years ago a little bit, but I kind of want to get a little bit more serious the next time I have the opportunity to talk to him. Cause I was like, I think, uh, I think it's a really important question. I think he's really focusing on um, he's really focusing on product like he ever has before. And if you notice, if you look, if you go back to even like, inter- like even print interviews that he did, like with cigar aficionado and like cigar journal, like in the like early aughts, you know, late, you know, late 2000s before, you know, uh, you know, 2008, 2009 and early aughts, like his conversations are a lot more about the lifestyle and what the, the communities that he's created and the, the, the culture, he really, really, and I'm not saying he didn't appreciate or didn't really care about it. That's, that's obviously not true, but like, he's really paying attention to now he's really he's really involved in blending. He's really involved in tobacco. He's more interested in that process. He talks a lot about curing. He talks a lot about um, he talks more like more like we do, you know, like when we nerd yeah. out on this shit. Like he talks about primings and stuff like that. He never did that before. No, he never did. And so, like he's there's a there's a level of pride that's going into his product that i think wasn't seen before that hasn't been seen before and i think it's showing like the quality of his cigars are great like are just a lot better like the disciple was probably it, it, it's kind of supplanted the decade for me as my favorite cigar that he's the disciple done. i thought was better than the 60 too yeah I think we agree I agree. That. yeah yeah i agree um but um to i know i'm really doing a long-winded answer to your question coop the reason i the the reason i go into when i go into these booths and i i put a read on the situation is i want to know how much time i've got is this going to be a longer one is this going to be a shorter one how many products are we talking about you know because sometimes it's a lot of new releases and so you want to get to them all um but i really try to focus on Again, back to kind of what I do on my show, Coop. I really want to focus on what's really interesting to me because I think that's what's different. And nobody else is doing that. You bring the human side into that trade show. You do. You know, it was interesting, the Rocky. I think Rocky is a great example you gave. Um, Because, look, first of all, we we get the Rocky every year. We get some help. But Rocky's always – when we, when we, we, we get to someone and you say, can we get Rocky at this time? And we get Rocky at this time every year, by the way. We've never had a problem with that. And that booth, he's slammed, believe me. He can't give us 45 minutes. Like, I think he would if he could, right? I, I honestly think he would do that, right? We got a little more time last year because we lucked out the Fuente Padron thing was going on. So the booth was a little more empty. We lucked out with that. Yeah. Um, but I think this, I think it's gotten a little easier because the last two years, this is the pattern I've seen with Rocky. He's got this signature release and then he's got this innovation release right that's the secondary release so last year the big release was the edge 20th right big release for him big brand for him this year it was the uh, conviction which is obviously a big step he's doing a hundred dollar cigar but last year there was this innovative project the dbs right which was it was a double broadleaf it's a little different than what the alec bradley was doing and then this year, the Dark Star using the Paraguayan tobacco, something he really hasn't used before. And I think it's been – so I think that, that now it's a little more predictable, and 
I think it makes it easy for you, obviously. He's only got two. Yeah. Um, that I think if we were doing this in 2012 and he had nine releases, we'd probably get two sentences on each of these releases. Yeah, it'd also be kind of exhausting. So, it, and, and, but, you know, but I also think he's building brands that are going to last for long periods of time. I, I don't know about the Edge 20s. I wasn't a fan of it. I'll be honest with you. But Edge is a brand that's already established. But but I think right. these brands he's building, the 60, uh, Disciple, White Label. I mean, he, the brands, these brands, I think, are going to be around for 10 years where, you know, he had some good brands. Like, remember the Private Reserve and the Freedom and Prohibition. Prohibition. They didn't last these things, right? But I think no. the things he's got now, he can have. Royale. Oh, God, that was a good cigar. The Royale was. Is the Royale. Did he, I don't even know if they still make the Royale. That was a really good cigar. Um. I haven't seen it. It might still be. It might still yeah. exist. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten a top 10 for him and well-deserved. I think I got a top five for him on an official. But now I think the brands he's bringing have a lot more staying power that I think if we talk about, if we're back at the trade show in six or seven years, we're still going to be talking about White Label. We're still going to be talking about Disciple. We're still going to be talking about 60. We're still going to be talking about um, the DBS. I think these have more more staying power. Right. Um, Edge already is, is an established brand where I don't think, like, if you go back, like, six or seven years ago he had some great relief and he just super hero is another one like that was well, a great cigar again to go back to your question and i'm smoking the illusione singulare um yeah, i'm smoking the uh rare leaf uh box press torpedo rare leaf maduro dox says torpedo so we were like at illusione too again i know you wanted to talk about this here but like just you wanted to talk about I, my approach to interviews. no but this is important i know what point you're gonna make so go so, ahead. so like for example i i've never had the opportunity to interview dion and yeah. last year, I got the opportunity to interview Dion. And this year, I got to interview Fred. So it was a nice little stair step of a story because, you know, when my interview with Dion, it was more about, yes, I wanted to talk about, you know, I wanted to talk about his new branding. But at the same time, it wasn't, it, they were slating it for this year. Like, it was going to be this this long process. Yeah, they were previewing Yeah, they're previewing it. it. And it was it was more like, hey, here's the concept here's what we're doing. This is the direction we're going. And it's an important story I thought last year, but what I was really important to me was like for, from the time that I got with Dion and he even mentioned this in the interview, which was really great was I wanted to talk about his work with Hoya de Monterey because I thought that was a pretty monumental right. project that right. he worked on the, his own version of the Excalibur. And because the, you know, what, what STG is doing by allowing these, um, you know, boutique craft, small batch, whatever you want to call them, um, popular blenders to come in and have their own spin on projects is pretty cool. And it's allowing them to touch iconic brands and allowing them to put their own spin on it, whether it's a marketing piece or whether it's blending right. or whatever, like, I think Caldwell's Boulevard was very interesting. I think, you know, yep. what Hector did with, you know, um, you know Hector and, and uh, Eric did with Warzone, for example, was incredibly interesting. And so when, when I mentioned it last year to Dion, he's like, you're the only, you know, you're, I've done, I don't know how many he had done, but he'd done, I guess a few interviews and he's like, you're the only one who's brought it up. And to me, that's, that's really disappointing because I think that's a really interesting point that people are really wanting to hear about, even though it had been in the past, like recent past, it you know, it wasn't like two year old news or anything, but it was something that no one had, obviously no one had asked about. He hadn't had an opportunity to talk about. And, and 
I think it was very special. And so allowing them the opportunity to talk about something that, you know, really matters in the grand scheme and fabric of our, you know, industry's history was, you know, a really cool opportunity. And so fast forward to this year when we talked about Fred. So now it's more than a concept. The branding is now something that's in full effect. We're seeing it on the shelves. I can get the, I can gauge Fred's reaction about how that's really going because there was a lot of hesitancy in it. Um, but they really made the decision for the retailer and, you know, a lot of people, and I got this from a lot, actually, I've actually asked this question to a few retailers over the last two years about this, about, about Illusioni's decision to rebrand. And I thought it was very interesting because a lot of retailers said that they personally didn't like it, but they knew that it was the right decision for their business. And they end up, they ended up bringing in more. And that's what I've gotten from a lot of people is that they they know Epernay is fantastic. They know the Illusion product is fantastic, but they don't bring it in because it doesn't move. And that's just, for one, that's just unbelievably yeah. sad because you're missing out on some amazing cigars. But, you know, it's 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 a cigar that, you know, and, and I've been in this position. It's true. It's a cigar that you have to hand sell. Yeah, quite a bit. And once you do, you can get people hooked because it's awesome because it's awesome. Right. But yeah. Yeah. But by doing this rebranding, um, it's going to sell a lot more of itself. It's a lot more shelf friendly. It's a lot more has more shelf presence and uh, it's a lot more organized. And but it's still uh, um, what was the terminology that both Dion and Fred used Um, on brand, I believe, is what they were saying. Like, yeah, on brand, like it, they didn't lose, they didn't lose anything um, no. with it. So, no. No. so it was a, it was a nice stair step in conversation too. So again, you can carry over things and that's what's really great about unique about these coverages. Cause a lot of times there's things that are previewed, there's things that are talked about and you can carry that conversation over from year to year because you can say, okay, well, this was what you wanted to do. Did you accomplish it? So big part. Yep. I think that was a good, right. Um, so. A yeah. funnier version of this, the funniest version of all, was Steve Saka's interview from last year, which was just probably one of the funnest interviews I've ever done. It's absolutely yep. hilarious. We were in stitches, and it all, you know, it started Chubby. with him. The, yeah, the it started. <laughs> can't do it. It started with him. It started with him talking about how hot it was in Vegas, and that he, you know, would sit on the bathroom floor, you know, buck ass naked, and the, to get cold, to get cool. And then like later in the interview, he talks about, we're talking about his unicorn. He's like, you know, I really don't know what to do with my chubby. And he kept saying that over and over again. My chubby is really interesting, but I don't know what to do with my chubby, my chubby, my chubby. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I just can't, I can't do it. Right. I'm just like genuine, genuine laughter, just genuinely aghast, just like having really good fun. And he's like, and he calls like, because Steve doesn't shy away from anything, he calls me out. He's like, who's being a 12-year-old kid? I was like, you're the one dragging your balls across the floor five minutes ago in this interview, and you're talking about yeah. me being childish? Yeah. So I kicked off this year's interview with like, well, Steve, it, sound, it looks like you finally figured out what to do with your chubby. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so, that, that was great. Uh, that was great. Um, so you can yeah. carry, my point is you can carry themes from year to year that it doesn't always have to be about what's new, what's new, what's new, because that's so... We we have that covered in the written piece too, I think too. So we mm-hmm. do, we have a lot of technical stuff we put in there, and um, but yeah, I don't think like you know, I mean, there are some people who just want to watch a quick video. Well, man, I get it, maybe, but I don't know I, I find more people want to Google that. They'd rather Google and read it. 
I want to make a couple of points. Um, so first, you mentioned Illusioni real quick. Uh, Dion actually did the virtual trade show with us, and he did confirm that Epernay and Cigars Privé are going through a rebrand as well. So they're 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 apparently it's something's working, obviously, and I think now they're going forward with that. Nice, good for the, him. The the other thing I thought you did interesting this year, kind of along the lines of what you did with Illusioni, is in the Oscar Valadares interview, you brought up the Ernesto project. Which mm-hmm. I thought was important to do that. I thought that was a great thing that you brought that up in that interview. Um, and I and I, I don't I haven't seen a lot of Oscar interviews so far, so I can't say others did it. I didn't see a lot of people cover Oscar this year for whatever reason. But what was a, brought up in that interview is also brought up with Lizette uh, Perez Carrillo in the yeah, brought, yeah. Carrillo interview as well. So oh, what yeah. an interview! That was one of the best interviews with Lizette. So so much fun. And that her daughter be, Sky yeah. was there and. We talked about the whole project that she was involved with yeah. for the uh, Ernie Ellis project. By the way, that yes. interview should be going up, I think, tomorrow. It's scheduled to go up, by the way, just as a side note. Yeah, the no, work that no, her daughter Sky Thursday, is doing Thursday, with, Thursday, yeah, yeah. with Ellis for Autism is is, is absolutely yeah. – like, there's no other way to describe it other than it's absolutely beautiful. And I'll just check out the interview, guys. This, 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 young, this young woman – who is about to graduate high school, mind you. So, I mean, she is a young woman who started something and, you know, raised an incredible amount of money for this, this, for this project. And it's a really beautiful story. And um, I was talking to her daughter, I was talking to Sky prior to the interview, prior before we went on like live with it. And so I was asking her a little bit about, I was like, so like, you know, why else for autism? I know a lot of people in this industry do a lot with Ernie because, you know, of the Marvin Shanking connection. Cigar Aficionado does incredible work for with else for autism. That's a wonderful organization. It's a great cause. Um, and and I, I didn't know what the answer was going to be when I was just talking to her about it. But I was like, hey, well, you know, why are you interested in this? And she's like, well, um, and it, it all started with one of her childhood friends. Yeah, you know, she would go and she would go with her mom. I, I believe it was to her hairdresser, and her, uh, I guess, Lizette's hairdresser's daughter is autistic, and um, they, of course, would play together, and 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 so they grew up together, and, um, you know, um, you know, she just saw, you know, she didn't see the girl for being autistic. She saw this girl as her friend, and when she found out late years later that, you know, she was autistic, that, you know, it, it, it just sparked this, this kind of organic drive in her to do something about, you know, do something for, for research for autism. Cause we learn more about autism every single day, you know, um, else for autism. And there's other organizations around, uh, you know, like autism, uh, speaks is also a great organization. Um, we learn more about, we learn more about autism every single day. And, you know, it's one of those things that's, you know, people who, who have, you know, 20 years ago, you know, people who were autistic were, were social pariahs in a lot of ways. And, you know, these are, it was really seen as a very big, it was seen as a very dis, big disability. I haven't used that word on purpose and intentionally. And I didn't mention it in the interview because what Autism Speaks and Else for Autism do is, is not just research about the condition, but it's also about education and furthering people yeah. who have autism in today's society. And they flourish. They absolutely flourish in today's society. We're not talking about Rain Man and 
fucking Tom Cruise, okay, and not Dustin Hoffman. It's it's important, and and this is why charity is such a big part of my show, and why charity is so important to me is that sometimes it's not just about the money that you can raise. Sometimes it's not about finding a cure. Sometimes education is the biggest thing and the biggest missing piece when it comes to charity, because there's so much confusion around a lot of things. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent here, and I apologize, but like take for example hunger. Okay, hunger is a worldwide problem, but hunger is also an American problem. There are a vast majority of the people that go hungry in this country are children. And a lot of people don't know that. And that's a huge problem. That's a huge fucking problem. And when and when there's charities out there that focus on things like this and they educate the public on it, they bring a lot of things to to the surface and they bring a lot of things to public attention that need that matter and that's really what spoke to me uh when speaking with sky and her mother uh during the ep Carrillo interview and you could that i i love this and we've we've had this happen several times it was the the hochi blanco jose manuel uh blanco interview from two years ago when his son worked on his 80th project with him like it was like you could see yeah. the pride yeah it, from father to son and the respect and admiration from son to father in that yeah. interview that was yeah. just absolutely amazing. And the same thing happened with Lisette and Sky was yeah. like she Lisette was beaming. I mean, she was absolutely aglow with my questions to her daughter and talking to her daughter and talking about this one thing. I mean, we could have talked cigars. We could have done that. We did that a little bit. Yeah. But that wasn't the story. No, it was. It wasn't. And, you know, Bear, I'll say this. The Sky knows cigars. I mean, she's learning this business. Um, She likes this business. I kind of was wondering, is she going to be like Lizette? I think, you know, she's a lawyer by trade. I think she's becoming more of the face of the company right now. I don't think she'll ever replace Ernesto, but there's a generation that could pick. The, if she wants to do this, I think this 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 girl uh has all the potential to do it. I mean. You know, because Lizette was talking about how she likes going down to the factory and everything. You know? And she rolls. She rolls. And she rolls. And she rolls. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's something to watch. And, and like Lizette was a little surprised, I think, that we wanted to interview her. Right. Not in a bad way. I think she was just happy surprised. You know, I don't mm -hmm. think anyone asked that. I think we were the only ones who asked for that interview. And and the way we kind of talked about it was, you know, we explained that, you know, Bear has this whole charity component that he does on his show. And it would be really good content. And they were thrilled to talk about this. Uh, I think they were relieved not to talk rapper behind the filler uh, in that case. Well, and that's, I think that's the point too. Like, I, again, if there, there are media outlets that that's, that's all they focus on. And I think that's important too. Uh, and, I do too. I do too. And, I, and, yeah. And we're not going to, yeah, we just have a different, we we're, we're being the line here. We're trying to be different. Yeah. So again, to go back to the original question from a hundred years ago, like what's my approach could my, I, you have to you have to gauge the situation. You have to understand who you're talking to. You have to also find the story. Yeah. Like what's the story? So, so Perdomo is another example, right? So we went into the Perdomo with Nick. Is always fantastic with us. He always yeah. gives us time. He's one. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's colorful. He 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 lights up the screen because you can just see, you can see his 
his love and here's the p word for aaron loomis listening later the passion that just is just beaming out of his core but the story was not just the 30th anniversary the story was the fact that his son nicholas iii and arthur put this project together without the packaging nick, yeah yeah the packaging without nick seeing it yeah. nick saw it about four about somewhere between like like he saw it 12 the, hours yeah the night 12 before. hours before yeah he they, they were at a dinner and and i've by the way garofalo confirmed this story was true because he was there <laughs> so when this happened when it was unveiled he was at that and, dinner what a story that was yeah yeah and so to to bring about the the point here is like okay great so like nick you're celebrating 30 years in the business i mean you have an incredible story um and this is a great project that I know he's been been working on diligently. That's why it's like a, it's basically a year late. You know, I think they've been they're they're thirty one years into this, but they weren't going to rush Nick, it. They were not going to rush yeah, it. Yeah, Nick doesn't do anything that's not perfect. That's 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 just the way it is. Good for them too. Yeah, I mean, we could have if if the product wasn't right, we would have been yeah. celebrating their fortieth anniversary and probably released the thirtieth. Like that, that's the kind of diligence he does, yeah. and and that's that that's not a knock. That's to be honestly it's to be commended in this industry because so many projects do get rushed but the again the point is that there's there's always a story behind the story and if you can find it yeah that's worth talking about and yeah yeah. and that that's kind of that's kind of my approach um another interview that i was really excited about was was lito gomez who i've always enjoyed i don't think we talk new product in that one at all if I, maybe we no. did mention it, I don't think we talked a lot about it in that interview. And that's what that's one of our extended interviews we do every year too. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a day two one. That was a see, that was a day two interview. Okay, that was one of the day two interviews. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long that interview went, but it was a long interview. Yeah. So when you think about and how I, we'll talk about how I close that interview in a second. But if you again to go back to the father and son piece or. Uh, daughter to mother piece like we were talking about with E.P. Carrillo and father and son you know with Nick and Nicholas um um you know Tony's sitting there to the side and you know he's he's answering a lot of questions and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to both of them but like um you could see how you could see the 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 appreciation and how almost relieved Lito was yep. that the, that his sons, you know, Lito Jr. and, and Tony are, are, are the work that they're doing um, and what the direction that they're taking the company. And like, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen Lito stressed in my entire life, but like there was this, this, this sense of relief in him. Yep. Like he's not going anywhere. Tony even made a joke about that too. He's like, Hey, he's not going anywhere. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. But I think since the last time I spoke to him last year, I think Lito's realized, or at least it came out at least more expressively that it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Cause the legacy is cemented. The next generation is in full force. Like this La Florida Minicana is, is going to be a force and a staying power in this industry for years to come. And, and it's, he did good like it's like he there was this over this overwhelming sense of relief so if you watch the interview you can tell what i'm talking about yeah i'll bear there's a couple points i want to make on this next generation stuff can i do it 
Sure. As well. Okay. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So first up, as, as far as the Gomez's go, um, you nailed it in that interview. Uh, it came out in that interview. What was interesting is I saw it in Pro Cigar, how Tony and Lito Jr. are becoming more. Like, you could see that when Lito decides to hang it up, if he decides to hang it up, it's going to be in good hands with both of those. Lito Jr. is actually getting ready to go into the field, by the way. He's going to be doing, I think he's going to be doing, a, he's going to be in a sales role for a while. So he's, it's, and Tony did the same thing for a while, by the way. Right. Um. So, I mean, and now Tony, you can see he's been trusted with a lot of key projects. Um, much like this Perdomo 30th, right? Which this is a project that it's going to be Nick's big release for the next 10 years, probably, if you think about it. This is a huge release for Perdomo. Uh, the Perdomo 30th is going to be a brand that, yeah, they're rolling it out limited now, but it is a brand that this is this is so vital to the next few years of this company. And, and Nick got the confidence in his team to do that. You know, and we've seen this with Tony, you know, obviously with the NFT project or Knox. Um, going all the way to back to chapter one. You know, this has been a decade, de- yeah. decade long process. Tony's, a little, Tony's been doing this long than Nicholas Jr. But but again, you you for Nick Perdomo, to, you know, we always think of Nick Perdomo hands on, intense, like the, the trust he had to turn that packaging over to his son and Arthur. That says a lot. And, and guess what? You know. They did a great job. I thought the packaging was great on that, by the way. I think they, they really knocked it out of the park. It wasn't over the top, uh, but it really, I thought, was was really like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it was kind of worthy of being a very special cigar and a very key line in their portfolio. A very, uh, it, it had it had a very luxurious look. Some of the hologramic stuff they did, you know, it just the way the light shined on it. Nick was talking about, hey, shine the light this way. He wanted us to see the different nuances yeah. of that. Thousand so, percent. Yeah. So I think you did a great job at, at that next generation stuff and all those interviews. Um, not like, hey, uh, you know, I'm just wor- oh, I worked on, you know, this this blend. It, you you kind of got and you brought out parts of that and, and that um, in different ways in that inter- in those interviews that were really key. Uh, that was a, that was yeah. That I think that came that really. I'm glad you you went down that road because that that's something that definitely stood out. I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm a su- I mean, I'm a sucker for it, man. I got I got to be honest with you because I think that you know, again, it, it's about a continuation uh, of the story, right? There, so there, like, there are some people in companies I think that could where I think the next generation needs to step up, but these are good examples of ones that are stepping up. Mm-hmm. Thousand percent. Yeah. So the conclusion to the Lido Gomez Tony Gomez interview was very special for me personally because I've never got I've I've had the opportunity over the years to have great conversations with Lido. Uh, you know what a tremendous respect i have for him you you know uh uh, you call him the bear moments right a little fanboy out a little bit right there it's my brand man it's like the reason i'm here you know and um so i've i've gotten to thank Lido several times over the years um and every time i talk to him i i want to i want to thank him and because it's very important to me the work that he's done it's very important to me personally because if again I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Um, I fell in love with his cigars when I first started smoking cigars, and there, I mean, I fell in love with them. And it's the reason it's the reason I'm here. It's the, the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. And he's he is such a huge part of that. And so I make it my personal goal to thank him, but thank him in a different way each time. And it really occurred to me, and I've talked about this topic 
frankly, we talked about this topic on our very first show, Coop, you know, six years ago. And, you know, he took a priming of the tobacco plant that used to get cast aside, thrown away, thrown out, and he built a legacy around it. I'm talking about yep. Lahiro. Yep. It might have gotten used in some cigars during the boom, prior to the boom, but not really. No one would talk about it. And what he did was revolutionize that in a really real way. And I, so I said, my, you know, my gratitude to him was like, Lito, I look around this room, it's filled with brands upon brands. And we've talked about cigars with so many of these people. And we talk about blends and everywhere you hear, well, I decided to put some Lajero in it, or I have this kind of Lajero or Lajero this or Lajero that. And there's some great cigars in this room and none of them, none of them would exist without him. Zero. No, it's true. I mean, he put the word on the map. And if that's not a legacy, I don't know what the fuck is. Like, I, I got to be honest. And there are cigars that I enjoy today. And there are, there are brands that I follow. And there are people in relationships that I've built. When I say because of him, it's literally because of him. Not just because of my my love and fondness for the cigar the first time I had. And I kept smoking them. And they were like, my they've been my brand for years. And John, John Carney's been come a really close personal friend as well in that time frame. And, but that wouldn't have happened. My relationship with John wouldn't have happened. Like there's like, he took a piece of a plant that no one cared about, built a legacy and a brand around it. Right. Built a company around it. And none of that would have happened. Yeah. Without him, that's yeah. small things, man. Small things equal big things. Yeah. Just... And so that was my that was my way of thanking him. No, it was great. It was a great close to the interview. Um, I'm looking to see how long that interview was, but it was an extended interview we got with him. Yeah, I think it was about 15, maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, which is long for a PCA trade show, uh, for sure. Uh, but it was a real, like I said, I don't think we even talked about the new release in that interview. We, I don't think we did. No, um, because I, I have to go back. I have questions for Carney on it right now because <laughs> I was going doing my write-ups. I'm like, yeah, I got a couple. I mean, we talked about LG coming back, but that was about but, it. Yeah, so. yeah. But I mean, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that, I mean, otherwise, um, like I said, I think it was uh, I thought it was it was it was great, too, um, for sure. Um, I want to touch on a few other thing, interviews. Um, so. I thought another one of the other extended interviews we did um, was the the Crown Heads one. Um, and what I'll say about that one is the you started that interview off very interesting. Um, and you handled it because you addressed the elephant in the room without addressing the elephant in the room. Right. And you know what I'm talking about, right? It was the whole thing with Luciano. Mm-hmm. But you addressed it in the first minute. And 
you kind of, but you kind of like, so the way you, you phrased it to John was challenging year. Right. Yes. And then you kind of said, but you parlayed off that. And I'm using, I, that's my word I put in, but you kind of sprung board into 2023 and, and you know, they had, a, they had a great show, but I thought that was a, I thought that was a great way of you addressing the elephant in the room without forcing him to address, you know, where you, you mentioned it, like, you, you, you know, it just didn't go away. And it, it yeah. was subtle, but I think it was that was the way to handle it in this case. Yeah, I mean that that drum has been beaten, man. And, it's been beat. And... It's been it, it's been beaten, right? You 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 hit it on the head. It's been beaten, right? But you addressed it. You didn't avoid it. Uh, yeah, like if yeah. Uh, if I the trade show had been if, if the trade show had been in it. yeah if the trade show had been in November last year, it would have been a bigger part of the conversation, or it. It, it would have been it. more. It would have been more appropriate. Yeah, it would have been more appropriate to have that conversation, that part of that conversation. But it. By the way, Lito interviews twenty three minutes. Just, you know, so it was it was a sizable okay. interview. Yeah. Now, my time with John this year was was really enlightening in a lot of ways. I I actually was messaging him earlier this week and talking and just thanking him for his time. But what a great what yeah um I agree he and you know I, there were some things I had to talk to him about after the interview too and he was very good about it. Yeah. So, um, you know, just kind of, but, but I thought it was, I thought the conversation went extremely well with that. Uh, and John's interview is 20 minutes. Exactly. So that was an extended interview as well. We did. That was a day one interview. Yep. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. Um, hey, another interview that, that I know you just had him on the show. So, um, this was a day two interview. So I had good interviews day two. Um, Arnold Seraphim was great. I mean, you had an extent, you had the extended show with him, but you know, the time we had with him, um, he was definitely, I, I thought surfing the Cuba was one of the revelations of the trade show for me, but him as a person was like, this is, this is great stuff he was doing. Uh, and he was just so nice to us. And, you know, I think, mm -hmm. you know, great guy. Just, I love the story. You beautiful know, I, story. Beautiful, beautiful story. Family. I mean, the, you, yeah, the history I know is right up your alley, but the cigars were really good too. That was the thing. And these cigars were, I know Ben's been talking about these cigars um, as well. Um, but yeah, what a, what a great, I, I just, like I said, it was, we got a little snippet of that. And then if you watch Bears, uh, Ellis's Fulmar takes, that was just a Sunday. He goes really deep with Arnold on a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, that, I thought that was a fantastic interview. Um, because again, uh, Arnold had no new products at the show. So it was a little bit of a different interview, but we were getting an introduction to him. Um, and that was a 15 minute interview. So I went a little, that was, again, we did some longer interviews. I, I'm amazed we did all these longer interviews and we still got 70 videos out there. We're going to have when it's all done. So that was a, I thought that was a great, and then we went right to Chaz Palmateri after that. Uh, that was so awesome. Which, uh, which, yeah. Um, and again, this is Bear. You had a really swift gears in this one, right? Because I didn't know much about Chaz, right? I, mm -hmm. I didn't know about him much as a. I'm not a big, you know, I'm not the movie guy like you are. Yeah. But he's <laughs> not. He's not a cigar guy, Chaz. Yeah. No, I'm not right. saying he's not, but he loves. He loves what this product brings. He's just not. Oh, he says he's not a big cigar smoker. Yeah. But the way he approached that, and the way you kind of, kind of ran with the interview, I thought was was great with that. Yeah, I mean, talking to Chaz was 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 really interesting, just because you know, and he'd probably been given the same sound bites a thousand times to a bunch of different people and stuff. And but 
I, I was still at the at the same time, and that that's so that's another point, Coop. So but like you hit you he gave the same soundbite, but you you hit other areas with that too. Well, that's 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 my point though. Is I think that you know when you're talking to people who are delivering the same sound bites, or like you know Steve says he says the same thing over and over again, and everything. You, again, going back to the original question, like approach, like my approach to that is like, what's my genuine reaction here? Like what, 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 what's my personal reaction to this? Not what he wants me to think, not even what he wants me to say, not what he wants me to ask. What's my genuine reaction to that? When you have a genuine reaction to it and you, you have a, you know, you follow up with the series of questions after that, you can have a genuine moment in return. And that's, that's, that's my objective too. Is like, okay, you, you talk, you talk about me bringing the human side of the industry out and that, I mean, these are just people, you know, and they're great people. They're interesting people. Yeah. Um, and so you know, Chaz is known for, you know, being an actor, but at the same time, like he's, he's very much known for a Bronx tale. Like that's his, yeah. that's, I had heard of that yet. Yeah. yeah. A Bronx tale is, you know, it, it, it's, it's his claim to fame. It's what he'll always be known for. Um, he, you know, there's there's not another you know there's not another role that 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 will probably surpass that project for him and why because it's his story it's his story and he was very quick to say about how like you know he's a family of immigrants and you know and that's what he realized about the room that he was in was that this is a room of immigrants. Is that these are immigrant stories, but the immigrant stories aren't immigrant stories, just immigrant stories. They're an American story. Yep. And for me, that was incredibly moving and poetic at the same time. And absolutely positively accurate. In his case, a Bronx Tale cigar in a Bronx Tale itself is a, it's an immigrant story. It's an American story. It's a Bronx Tale, and that was my that was the the line I used on him. And he's he even the one of the best compliments I got at the show was from him when he said he gets it. And I yeah. don't think he said that. I don't think he said that to many people. Maybe I'm wrong, but I believe I, him when he said it. I I do too. Yeah. I mean, it was very interesting, the dynamic when we were at that booth, right? Because uh, Paulie DeSilvio, who is the guy out of the Bronx who did the original Bronx Tale Cigar, and then they they shifted it to Dean so they can upscale up the production. Paul, you know, it kind of, I think Paulie was really impressed with that interview because it, it triggered some other conversations afterwards, how he wanted like guys like us to come up to his store when he does, and there's going to be more of these projects. And he was like, considering I'm a Red Sox fan, that was really big for him. Hey, look, yeah, it was. He had to mention the hat. It was good. I yeah, no, you. it was good. It was good, right? You know, I mean, but, but I mean, his store is like, you know, half a mile from Yankee Stadium. I mean, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I kind of liked how, like, in that case, you know, we were really, you know, that was one of the booths they didn't know us from Adam, right? I think most of the booths we go to, they all know us, right? But they didn't mm-hmm. know us at all, and they, he, they weren't like Dean is the only guy who knew us, right? But I think they also trusted hey, if Dean because Dean wanted us to go there. Like, and you know, there was a line of people, and and uh, I was a little sensitive to that. But Dean saying, "Look, the media guys need to get in there too." So uh, you got to sit at the front of the line, man. We well, the problem is, yeah. I mean, the problem is, I hate doing that to people. I, I do. That's not what what we what we're about. And I know you're the same, but 
the problem is we couldn't wait on the line because we just didn't have the time. So, I mean, I, and I, you know, um, but you know, I, you know, we, 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 we were in and out of it. That was not a long interview, but we were in and out of it. You know, Bear, it was interesting as I'm watching these interviews, right? It was almost, remember the original concept of LO, so from our takes that you had your original yes. vision, it was going to be, it was going to be a short interviews. Now the show evolved for you is what happened, right? Yes. But it was almost like these these interviews were the original LOSU for Martex concept you had. And you brought yes. that kind con- and you brought it the last three years. It's not like you haven't done this is the first year. Um and you brought that. And I think that you so I think this is a concept you knew, you honed, and and like I said, I think you executed on it real really good. There's there's not an interview I said, man, in actually in the last three years, I, I don't think there's any interview where you flubbed an interview. Um, it was, it was, the work was really, really well done at this. I mean, I just can't keep enough praise. And look, we gotta, we gotta say the rest of the team as well. Ben, who's always behind the camera. I mean, he is, he does a lot of work behind the camera and now he's doing all of our purpose production. The quality would not be there without, without, without that piece. That's a, as important a piece. And he's, uh, he's, you know, and we've even said to him, Hey, if you didn't want to do an interview. Just let us know. Like, but he's, you know, he's the man behind, he's always done that for us. And uh that's why you know i appreciate him as well um same with nielsen that's why i give you guys all my cigars afterwards i said just take what you want i'm like uh, you, know, <laughs> you guys take the cigars so um you know you guys were talking it was okay like it was a i thought it was i mean i could go down the list of some of these interviews that just like i'm probably but i i do have you know there were a few others that you had um you know in there as well um I, but those last day ones were were great i mean those those uh the foundation one, I didn't see that one yet. Okay, that's the one interview I haven't watched yet because I've just been. But and that's the one interview I missed because I was holding fort with Saka while you were doing it. So that seemed like it was a longer interview. It was not as much as Nick doing the dog and pony show. I, I, that's the impression I got from that. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely he had new products, so we definitely covered it. But again, what I love, what I've always loved about Nick is this again is not to beat the dead horse but is the story behind his cigars he's very much a storyteller yeah uh which is probably why nick and i are kindred spirits you know you know he's you know the this his new cigar matapa is not it's not just a random name there's a story behind it there's a story about the artwork and putting that guy's putting that guy's portrait on that's key by the way that could Mm -hmm. be like in 10 years we could talk about that as being like a boulevard you know what i'm saying that that name yeah I think that's going to take a while to develop the brand, but I'm just saying, I, I think that was a brilliant move putting uh, his face on there. The uh, Matapa is not the guy. What's the guy's name? I forget, but yeah, uh, Matapa is his name. Matapa was in. Okay. Yeah. So um, the, and then the fact that like his, his expansion on the charter Oak is honoring his grandparents, you know, his grandfathers, you know, that's, you know, his grandfather's dad. So it's like it, he's a storyteller and you know that just that automatically speaks to me because i'm that's what i am and yeah. that's again we're we're kindred spirits that way i think that's why yeah. nick and i have always gotten along um you know nick's nick's incredibly busy all the time and that whenever he does give us time whether it's an interview on the show or an interview at the show um you know it's it to me it's so important um to allow to give him a platform to tell those stories because yeah um they're very much a reason of why foundation exists in the first place yep. he wanted he wanted to he wanted to explore um he wanted to explore his life and put it on display for everybody which is incredibly vulnerable in a lot of ways 
um, and beautiful at the same time. And and so, you know, it's the foundation is his story. Yep. And and you could say, well, Barry, well, every every brand, you could say that about everybody. And you're right, I could. And I and and that certainly that probably is a little, you know, that's doing a little bit of a disservice to other people. Um, yeah. But the color and the you know the 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 fabric of his story is felt in every single one of these projects like i mean starting with i mean the guy fucking comes to market with a cigar called el way when say that we it takes us years to fucking memorize and then he really i joke about him all the time i joke this is my joke with him all the time right. like you release the el way when say where no one knows how to pronounce it and you you unleash that into the world and you're like okay say it you know and we finally learn how to pronounce it and then he comes out with the maduro line and he calls it the wise man maduro it's like god damn it why didn't you just do that to begin with yeah. you know uh which is always my, my my joke with him but but he could have called it the wise man that's the point he could have called it the wise man but that wasn't part of that wasn't the story he wanted to tell he wanted to tell the story of elway Wednesday. yeah no it was very good it was very good with that. Um, I want to also mention the Ford's booze because that was um that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, and I think the one interview that I'm telling you was the high, like like a highlight was the Chillin' Moose interview with John. He was awesome. Oh, John Hucker was great. And, and you talked about the brand and how the brand evolved and how the brand worked. It was just, it was a very good interview, by the way. I think it did a lot of good service for the brand, actually, too. Yeah, if you had told me that I was going to be talking about Chilling Moose going into the show, I probably wouldn't. I, 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 I didn't like, either. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't expect exactly. I mean, we had because we had, you know, Justin, right? You and I each did an interview with Justin. Um, you know, booze we did actually later on uh, after the show. Um, and then we had Bradley Rubin was the, uh, and then the, the Gloria guy, uh, he's a new guy. It sounds like, you know, um, I thought he was fine too. I thought he was fine. Too. It was great. I thought you, uh, really kind of, you know, I think you did, I think you did good, good justice to that booth as well. Um, you only got I, taller than Terrence Riley. Holy cow. That guy was, oh, big. Guy was that guy was big. <laughs> Those guys <are> giant. <laughs> but next year, I think we're going to go to Terrence Riley's booth every day. I think we'll go several times a day. You know, I think we got to well, do that. We might have to to wrestle in our, you know, an interview slot. You know, but that's okay. We it's had to do it. it this year. We had to do it this year. <laughs> so, um, you know, would be a really cool idea. Get him a cheesesteak. Well, someone did it already. Oh, damn it! Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we won't go there. Um, I'll tell you a highlight for me. Okay, was the my father booze. And when the Garcia family came out to get the factory of the year award. Oh, what a great moment for you, Coop. Holy oh, cow. my goodness. You know, and, and look, every single one of them, man, they all came out. And here was the thing, you know, uh, they don't normally. I didn't know that Pepin was there. I didn't know Pepin was going to be there. I didn't know who was really there cool. either. I didn't. I thought maybe Jose would accept it, you know, because, again, there's, there's a language thing. And they made sure Pepin and Jaime were out there. Uh, and Jose Ortega was doing the translation for us. Uh, and they were really genuinely, I, I mean, that was a big moment. For, I got to admit, that was a big, I had, I had done a written piece on Pepin through Jose Ortega once. Um, but I never, like I said, um, he doesn't do interviews at the trade show. It's not, he just don't, he doesn't do that. But um, he tend, they tend to be, you know, like I said, 
He does talk to customers. I mean, but I know they have the translator, so it's always tough. But I didn't expect, like I said, that, that was a pretty busy booth. I didn't expect the whole family to come out. They did, and it was a, a great moment. I really, and by the way, we'll talk about this. Their day, in my opinion, may have been the star of the show this year uh, with the releases they did. I was really impressed with these releases. I think so. Uh, I mean, they're I definitely in the recap, Yeah. That La Union is going to be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Agree. I thought that was. Um, so that was a big one, uh, for sure. And I'm just kind of going down my list here of things. Um, and I think, like I said, you, uh, I, you know, even interviews like Chris Topper is always a fun interview to do. Love Chris. Uh, I do love him too. Um, keep the camera rolling. Yeah. You know, Michael, <laughs> man, my, yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep, always keep it rolling with Chris. <laughs> Don't stop the camera, Chris, because he's telling yeah, even stuff. even even when I sign off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the other one that was we didn't even mention this one, but it was like one of the first interviews we did was with Nelson Alfonso. Um, so that and that was kind of an interesting how that one evolved that interview, because we had uh, we had gone through with Dan, Oliver was slammed that morning. Uh, so Dan did the piece in United. We walked over to Selected and we were waiting for Oliver and, and we just ended up just grabbing Nelson and he did the interview with us too. Uh, we actually sat and did that interview and he unveiled the uh, Atta Bay 10 years, which was a lot of fun. Dan gave us some of the cigars afterwards. So uh, I did, you know, again, Nelson Alfonso, this guy is the real deal. Um, and it was just great to talk with him as well. Um, yeah, it's it's not often that you get to talk with someone uh, with a creative mind like his. Yeah, yeah, you know? yep. Um, man's an artist. Yep. I mean, there's no other way to say it. he's a Da Vinci man. It really yeah. is. He's, yeah. he's, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that's I think that's actually a fair moniker. Like yeah. he is he is the Leonardo Da Vinci of the cigar industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, so I I like the approach we've taken uh, as a team the last three years. I just think we're heading in the right direction. Uh, like I said, I think if you had asked me in 2007, I, I just I didn't know if I was going to continue to cover the trade show. It was such a bad uh, a bad year for me. Uh, and now I think we I, I think now not only that, I think our video coverage is now top of the game as well. I think we are we are now I, I mean, all due respect to everybody else. Um, I just think we were at the top of our game this year and uh I think these videos, you know, the, I've been criticized. I've been critical of Instagram stories and stuff like that. I'm not big, you know, I'm reels. I'm not as big on those. But what I like about these interviews is I feel that like they can be picked up three, four, five years from now and you'll get value from them. And that's where I, I just think that's where the value is what we brought. Um, you know, yeah. so I, I just say I, hats off to the whole team on this. This was this was a great show for us. Um, yeah, I, I just. Just you had mentioned them earlier, and 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 I want to I want to double down on something. Like I I really think Aaron uh, the addition of Aaron and Bento the team have just been they've been big. It's I think it's even honestly it's even bigger than just me being a part of a coop. I know the extra set of hands really really yeah. helped you out in two thousand and nineteen and twenty or excuse me two thousand eighteen well, and, and nineteen. But the like I mean I bless his heart, man. I drag Ben all over the place. I'm like, dude, let's go. Let's go. I have like, I, I got, you know, I got this person I can interview. Like he'll, he's, he's running behind me. He carries that backpack all day. He carries the camera all day. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and you know, he's, 
he's always yeah. he's always in go mode he he takes photos for us behind the camera so he captures these moments that we talk about yep. like the moment i mentioned with jose blanco and uh, uh, hochi blanco and jose manuel blanco is yep. you know i have that picture because of ben you know i have that memory because of him and and it's so wonderful and you know aaron does such a terrific job um aaron I think it's fair to say Aaron probably loves cigars more than all all of us. Yeah, he does. He's a true lover uh, of it. He shot 422 pictures the first day. Okay, he was he was making sure we had a lot, and then we filled in some of the gaps. Uh, I because I believe me, he got a lot of pictures. Um, and guess what? There were the very few duds. Because we the iPad. I know he liked the iPad, but. There were problems with stability with the iPad. We hadn't, we didn't have those problems. The only thing we may have had is an occasional lighting issue. And he, this was a new, by the way, he was using this camera for the first time that first day and shot 400 something pictures. Because uh, I know I picked the camera up the second day and I was having trouble. <laughs> so uh, he did a great job um, as well. Um, and, you know, he had, he had to go home, unfortunately. And that was, uh, but, you know, that there's things beyond the trade show, something you got to take care of. And that's what I said with that i did have one other moment there that you guys didn't see that i want to kind of uh mention the day i spent with jose blanco that was memorable that was probably talk about the adventure of being jose chauffeur okay so jose um so i i take i what i do now is i stay an extra day in vegas and i take the red eye back right i i kind of like chilling that last day and I was just going to go smoke some cigars somewhere, you know, check. We were checking out of the compound. Jose happened to be taking the red eye back as well. So, you know, he calls me up and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to go hit some shops. He goes, yeah, I'm hitting some shops, too. He goes, uh, I need a ride. <laughs> and then can you drive me to the airport? Right. So literally, we went all around Las Vegas visiting shops. Uh, it was great. We went to uh, both of these shops. We went to two main shops we went to. Uh, the Las Vegas Cigar Outlet was first. And then we went to Cigar Box. Um, these are both places that we must go to next time. They're both great stores. Um, I think that uh, Las Vegas Cigar Outlet had one of the best humidors in the, in the city, if not the best humidor in the city. Small smoking area, but we could still smoke there. And then Cigar Box was just a great lounge to go to. And it's not far from the Strip. Uh, and Jose holds court in both these places, let me tell you. Uh, but man, his bags, I couldn't believe how heavy his bags were. He had three heavy bags. I don't, I don't know how he does it. Now, now you feel my, uh, feel my pain of hauling your shit around every year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was like, you know, it was like driving Miss Daisy. You know, we, we were joking, driving the professor and boy, he found like, so he, he wanted Cuban food for lunch. Right. So he finds this, he goes, this is a great Cuban place. Right. He goes, he puts it in the GPS. I'm like, Jose, that's in Tucson, Arizona. It's like six hours away. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. Right. So then he found another, but we had a great Cuban lunch. Um, and then uh, you know, I'm driving him to the supermarket. He wanted to get like Anderman's cakes to take back to, to Europe and uh, uh, s- some other stuff. I forget what it was, but yeah. So, so I'm dropping Jose. I'm going to the supermarket with Jose Blanco. I mean, he's <laughs> like, um, He's not a backseat driver, uh, but no, it was it was, a, it was a great afternoon I had with him. Uh, it was That's very awesome. memorable. And, you know, here's the thing, and I've told you this. I've never gotten to spend time with Jose like this, um, ever. 
I mean, it's occasionally a couple times in Atlanta. I I got the, but this was the most time I spent with Jose outside the Dominican Republic, maybe. Uh, so it was great to spend some time with him, uh, just because we don't get a chance to do that in Vegas. So uh, he was a lot of fun that day. That's awesome. This is the f- uh, first year your suitcase didn't break, by the way. So this is the suitcase didn't break, but I was I think it was close to the end, so it's going to be replaced for next uh, for when we go in in, in uh, there'll be a new one for April. Yeah. Um, no, it was, uh, it was, yeah, I, thank God it didn't break. Um, we had a good compound this year as well. I mean, we'll kind of get into some of those as well. So, um, I, I said, I thought it was, a, uh, we're going to go, do, we'll do a big recap of the show or talk about the booze and what we saw, but, I, but I wanted to get a little, like I said, behind the scenes with, with what you did. Cause I think, you know, people haven't seen it. Uh, and you may say, well, they got videos. There's all these videos out there. Check out some of these videos, guys, because this is and it's like I said, it's not stuff you have to watch tomorrow, but it's content you can watch at any time and you know binge on it. I think you, I know it's content I want to see. Um, so we we've changed. Like I said, I think it was a good. I think it was good this year. I, I just, I, I, you know, like I said, I just it was the kind of content I would want to see. So I think that was a good sign. Um, as always, Coop, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're happy with it. Oh uh, no, it was great. We've we've improved every year. You know, even that first year when we, you know, when we put the team together, you know, Ben and we joined the team uh, a few weeks before the show. So yeah. we were all, we were all trying to feel out working with each other. We were trying to come up with a cadence at the, we didn't even have our cadence down at the trade show. And it just kind of evolved that we've used the four man team, which is some people like to divide and conquer. I don't know how you divide and conquer and, and get the kind of all the content we're getting. It's, I just think it's tough. So, um, you know, but there's a lot, a lot. I think I'm only, I think I'm only about one fifth through the video. Like I said, when we, well, the other thing we do is we, when we come back, like Ben needs a break. So we waited, a, you know, we, we only started the video content at the beginning of last week too. So, uh, and we're doing two days right now at five o'clock every day. So, you know, when, when it's going to be live, but it's always there for you to catch her later on. Um. That's it. I think that's it. I don't know if you have anything else. I know we went late tonight. No, no, I, I think we covered. I know we're going to cover a lot more on the recap show. And so, yeah, well, stay um, tuned. But, we'll announce the date on it. Um, but thank you, Coop. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, thank you for the thank you for the opportunity as well. And, um, you know, the high praise. Um, seriously, your words are very humbling. Um, yeah. I'm good. I'm glad you're happy with the coverage. I think the, I think your I think our audience uh, and your readers will be very happy with everything. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it was, you know, in a lot of ways, it was the trade show was was interesting and unique um, in the sense that I think the last two years have been a little bit, you know, a little bit, uh, I guess, I, I'll, I'll guess I'll say a little bit better in terms of some things. But I think what was really great, even in this year where it, traffic was still down, was down. Uh, I don't care what the numbers say. Traffic was well, down. The last day this, was barren. Yeah. But. I still say it, man. The last three years, the vibe has just been so positive. And yeah. it was still so great. Like even yeah. on day four, people still wanted to be there. They were happy. Yeah. The, um, you know, Cigar Con killed 2019. There was no question about it. It just sunk that whole trade show. It did. Yeah. I think the best well, thing that PCA the did was having too, a year. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah, it was the a, holiday week was terrible. Yeah. It was it was a bad show. Uh, I think the best thing the PCA had was having a year off and then coming back, regrouping. 
I think gave them a little time to think think what to do. And, and look, this trade show is trending in an upward direction, uh, which is good. Uh, there was not a lot to beat the PCA up on this year. There's a couple of issues we have. We'll talk about that on the recap show, but I don't think they're 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 um you know catastrophic issues. I think they're things that hopefully they'll address. But you know, for the most part, um, you know, I'll say this, you know, last year, the media conference, more media needs to be at that media conference. I'm sorry, guys. Get up and come to that. You guys are working the floor, but at least have one person representing the team. You know, you don't need the whole team there. I agree. Uh, like I said, you guys are always welcome to come, but I think we figured out productivity wise. Uh, it doesn't make sense, but you know, you guys, I really want to, I really do want to be there, but yeah, productivity wise, it makes sense for us to send one person and then yeah, the rest of the team to, to continue yeah. working. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it was interesting, you know, it, you know, I thought like I said it was an interesting press. I, we just, it's not a matter of, they need to have more media brands there is the question. And I hear people, I hear, I'm hearing some people complain and they weren't there. So yeah. the complaints I hear, you, you need to at least, if you're going to complain, at least complain after you've heard some of the questions asked at that thing. So, um, you know. I'll leave it at that, but but you know, for the most part, I was like I said, very focused on what we did. We're really happy with it, um, and I think we have a lot to look forward to in twenty twenty. We are, now now we really have a high bar next year. I'll tell you that, but I think we could do it. We will get more booths next year, at least yeah. one more. That's my goal each year. Well, we're gonna have one less day, but there, you know, that's an issue. PCA is gonna we look. I had some very candid conversations. I'll, I'll mention this right. Like people, well, I'm very excited that last day is going away. I said, you you know, you might not get coverage from us. Like, what do you mean? I said, you might not. I said, I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Um, I said, I hope I, the goal is we don't want to skip anybody, but we have less hours of the day. And the thing is, if you're busy and we're put, you know, we recognize you're busy. We're not going to enter our business. That window might not be there for us to catch back up with you. So I said, and then, you know, this is don't take it personally. I said, you know. Yeah, I said, but it's a reality. It's a reality. It is so I'm hoping that the PCA addresses. We we've asked for some earlier access and things like that. So we'll see what happens. But um, they, you know, the small companies are really going to uh, take it on the chin. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So before we kind of go, I want to just mention that you know you wrapped up the we one of the last interviews was a Pete Johnson. Uh, always a great interview. Um. That's always the last interview we published because we we saved that. And it's like a tradition Ben's had going back to Stogie Review. Uh, but next week, big show, guys. 144. Uh, it's the Anarchy Show. Uh, Abe's not doing a book tour this year. So we were only one of two shows uh, to do this. Uh, Tattoo Anarchy Project, Abe DeBabna, Pete Johnson, Les Mann from, uh, from Coles of London. Uh, big show next week. We're going to be talking the Anarchy Project with them. Very excited. Yeah. So big opportunity we have. Uh, uh, Loomis may join us for that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna confirm if he is or not. But uh, but yeah, that we uh, big show, big show. So those are you know it's always Abe and Pete always having them on are, are big. So uh, we'll focus on the Anarchy Project. We'll get into the history of the Anarchy uh, Project. Uh, you know, why they did this and you know, the roles, responsibilities. I think Abe's going to have a lot to add with that. Uh, I spent some time with Abe in, last month in uh, Boynton beach and I know what he's going through with this. So it's a lot of work. So I'm glad they're going to share it with us. So we'll get a little behind the scenes with that. 
really looking forward to what an interesting project obviously uh not completely unique but as always pete and abe they they do things special they do things different so it'll be fun yep and then on thursday this thursday uh we have primetime 276 uh first time guest but not a first time company on fun brand manager for uh Drew State will be uh, our special guest. I've nice. been wanting to get on. I know you've interviewed on in the past, so I've not interviewed him. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I've been wanting to interview him for about a year. So uh, we're going to get him. Uh, he, uh, he's he got a great story, how he got into the cigar business and really moved up very quickly and a very influential guy in a very big company now. So we're going to talk about that with him. So excited. Such, yep. such an interesting guy. And yeah, he has a great story. Yeah, and he does. He does. He's, he's, a, doing, he's, a good he's doing great things in Drew State. So. Good friend of ours, too. Yeah. So uh, really happy to have him on. So uh, stay tuned on that. All right, Bear, anything else you want to do before we wrap up? Uh, no, again, just thank you for the opportunity. Uh, thank you for allowing me, uh, again, the chance to to go to the trade show each year. Uh, thanks for Thanks for your trust. Uh, and allowing me to work um, and pr- help you provide some to help you provide some of the best content you put out all, all year yeah. and uh, the best coverage from the trade trade show period. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's not coop coverage; it's coalition coverage, and that's how we do it. Uh, the three brands come together. Uh, we unite our forces, and uh, we each have our own brands, but uh, we bring them all together, uh, which is a very unique concept. I think we're the only ones who do this, and uh, that's why we have the depth of the. the depth we have on this so thanks to you guys as well uh, what a great team it's always good hanging out with you guys personally I, I was a little tired this year I, you know as i controlled my i didn't stay up late i only stayed up late one night if you noticed the first night mm-hmm. but i was very i'm proud of a, you for getting some sleep coop that's but that was a, but that was a mistake but i was i was a train wreck the next day so um i made sure every night i was just getting rest and uh i felt much more rested after that so, uh, you know, but yeah, I was a train wreck. You guys are next day, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, so we'll be doing this again in, uh, in March. Looking forward to it. All right. All right. Thanks bear. Thanks to our audience as well. That's going to wrap up primetime special edition. 143 into the annals of history for Tuesday, July 25th. Now Wednesday, July 26th in the Eastern and central time zones. Uh, thanks to our audience as well. We'll catch everybody next time. We'll see you next time.